Hey guys, this is Aaron. I hope 2013 is treating you well. It's Sunday night and I'm out here on the deck editing this week's episode. Keeping me company this evening is a big-ass cigar, Gurkha's Titan, and Red Hook's Winter Hook in my new Batman pint glass. Before you slip into this week's funny books, I wanted to give you a heads up because you're getting a lot of show in addition to your usual dose of comics discussion. A bonus feature this week is my all-new interview with Jake and Lunn from Space Gun Studios. These are the same guys we had on previously about their Indie Comic Book Week initiative a few years back. And of course, Jake Ekus is the official illustrator for all things Rainsboro here on IdeologyofMadness.com. Space Gun Studios is in high gear in 2013, generating original content every Every week this year. We talk lots about that, including the original bit of audio fiction written by Jake and narrated by yours truly. You can check it out at spacegunstudios.tumblr.com. Don't worry, I'll have links in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Yeah, you know, when, when Paul was in town last year, you know, I, we, he, uh, he was here for work, and so his uh, hotel was over there close to where the office is. And, you know, so I'm driving around, okay, now, Paul, if you're looking for, for a prostitute, right here. Why do you know where the prostitutes are? Hey, man, I'm just making sure that your needs are met. <laughs> Why wouldn't you know where the prostitutes are? <laughs> they advertise. They're good at it. That's right. They put a lot of effort into that. Flyers and such. That's right. Business cards. Yeah, business cards. Yeah. Business cards, social media. Yeah. That's right. Twitter. Yeah. yeah they're on a Twitter. On Craigslist, and they they use what, what's the currency on Craigslist? I think it's kisses. I believe is is uh is that the currency? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, like I I think uh, Crystal and I once went through the Craigslist ads just laughing at them because it's just oh god. You know, they're, I have they're so weird. I have never listed anything on Craigslist. I've never bought anything on Craigslist. But you know, Wayne on our show sells his comic books on Craigslist. Really? Yeah, well, and here's here's the asshole thing he does. Because, <laughs> you know, he works full time. His mm-hmm. wife is, is a homemaker. And yeah. so he'll list his books on Craigslist and then send his wife to go meet the guy. Oh. <laughs> <sell the> books. oh. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that is dude. uncool. <laughs> oh, but, no. uh,. You know, so he told me he was selling his books on Craigslist, and you know, it has been years since I've sold my comics on eBay. I mean, right. I, it's probably been 1999 since I sold a book on eBay, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I said, "Well, I'll go take a look. Maybe, you know, maybe that makes more sense than trying to, you know, sell odds and ends on eBay. Maybe, maybe you sell it on Craigslist." So I went out there, and I'm like, "Well, here's the button to look at comics." But here's this button over here to look for man seeks woman and man. Yeah. <laughs> Personalized. I, 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 so what, what are the ones? It's like, it's like, it's like missed connections or yeah, something. Like, yeah. Those so, are hilarious. So amazing. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. No, well, I, I, the, the way – because I, I had my, uh, my singles collection – uh, my comic, you know, single floppies or whatever. Oh, okay. I was like speaking of hookers. <laughs> yes, speaking of <laughs> no, 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 my floppy collection. I, I, I like. I, I didn't. I didn't sell it. Haha! <laughs> I got that one too. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but I, didn't, I didn't really care about selling it per se. So when Lon and I moved out of the place we had in Amesbury, uh, well, like I just oh, yeah. had, it was like it was basically like probably two or three long boxes worth. Yeah. And I just took them and I was like, okay, well, we're throwing out a bunch of junk. And so I went and I took them and put them outside the 
dumpster. But then I put a big sharpied sign on them that said, hello, I am a box of free comic books. I am a gift from the universe. And I walked back inside, grabbed the next trash bag, and by the time I got to the trash can, they were just gone. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> that's the way to do it. Well, you know, I was like, wow. <laughs> I have been trimming down my comic book collection for a couple of years now mm. and i i am you know been collecting since 1975 so i have reduced it down to the stuff i'm not keeping it, it is and i'm looking over at it now it's seven long boxes oh, that wow. i have that that's the the last remnants of stuff i'm not keeping everything else i'm keeping and it's it's tucked away appropriately but you know i'm like god yeah you know, i just such a pain in the ass taking these things somewhere to sell them <laughs> or to give them away or you know, well, and, so, and, you can't, and you can't really give them to like comic shops. Like, like trying to sell them to a shop is just a pain. Oh, it's well, and, and the only, really the only alternative around here is to sell them to half price books. Right. And if you're lucky, it's ten dollars a box. Right. Mm-hmm. If um, you're lucky, they'll take it. I heard yeah, stories of people going, "No, we have too much." I have not. I have not yet. Away. I've not yet had a, an instance where half price books hasn't taken them. But, you know, I suppose that's always a possibility because I never see people buy comics at half price books. No. But well, anyway, so I was thinking about what to do with them. And because, and you know, I just I don't even want to put them in the car. You know, I mean, that's that's how that's how much I really don't want to screw with these. Well, seven long boxes. That's a, that's a small workout, really. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It really is. So but I, w- I was I was flipping through the Internet one day and I saw something that that this guy was doing and he had like decoupaged his desk with huh. like comics and whatnot. And I was like, that's kind of cool, but I really don't want to do that with my desk or my, my drafting table. But right. I have eight feet in my man cave of folding <sighs> closet doors. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Oh. And I'm like, you know what? That might be a project. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that cool. might be a project because, you know, you kind of get to keep them and, you know, yeah. keep the images that you like. And I don't think it might – I don't think it would be too obnoxious on my closet doors. So – I'm it depends on what, what else is in your man cave, I would assume. But yeah. Well, it's all comic book stuff. It's all your art, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Like I was thinking about this the other day. I was, I was realizing I think you, other than neglecting family members, you are the person who has literally the most of my original pieces of anyone. Well, hi. Uh, this is Aaron with IdeologyofMadness.com and Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. And with me today are Jake Ekus, uh, who is uh, well-known to the folks here at IdeologyofMadness.com for his art on uh, Knights of Rainsboro. And then uh, Lun Lu, also known as Lun, both of Space Gun Studios. Hey, guys. So, so uh, Jake? Yes. Talk to the people so they can imprint on your, on your voice. Hi everyone. You've probably, to be fair, they've probably heard me enough times. Maybe. Good lord, Maybe. I've been on the show a couple times. Well, and this is Lund's second appearance. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's true. The first time was when uh, you guys were here pimping Indie Comic Book Week. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you know, hey, let's do a little follow up on that. How did Indie Comic Book Week work out for you guys? Uh, I did. I remember correctly. It did fairly well. Um, we had a lot of good feedback from a lot of the retail stores. A lot of people came in. Uh, I remember, I believe, somewhere in the Midwest, someone turned it into a mini con, essentially. Oh, that's And they had, like, nine or ten artists come in and spent a whole day. It's, like, it's essentially like a little mini con at the comic shop during that particular indie comic book week. Um, yeah, it was it was good overall. Um, we kind of did it again this year on a smaller scale because there was another uh, skip week. And uh, uh, it was more local. We just kind of did it at, at, over at Titan Comics. 
cool. There's not. It, it was closer it to what we intended the the original one to be before <laughs> it like completely escaped our our grasp and became huge. Became yeah, it did. Yeah, it did well. People people really seem like even this year too. It, it seemed people really dig indie comics and they they kind of like seeing new stuff on the shelves. Yeah. So that was the sentiment. That was the uh, kind of feeling we got last time and this time too. Well, you know, it's funny. We we gave away a lot of uh, indie comic books that week uh, on the website. And, you know, I was in touch with all these different creators. And so they all just, you know, loaded me up with books. And I got to tell you, it is only recently since I have come out from under all of those books that were given <laughs> to me. Because, you know, what I did is I kept some back that I would just give out with any time we'd, we'd send out an Ideology of Madness surprise. And I even took some down to uh, Fear the Con in St. Louis and, and put those on the prize table for uh, the different game masters that, that participate in that con. So, you know, there, there were lots of indie comic books given out through uh, that indie comic book event and, and, and beyond. Sweet. So, so uh, as a refresher for, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about Space Gun Studios. Uh, Space Gun, is, it started as a webcomic that Lun and I and a couple of our friends were putting together when we were in college. And we did that for about three years, something mm-hmm. like that. And um, eventually we decided, you know, the, it, was, it was like a gag a day, kind of your standard webcomic fair. And um, we were using it mainly for practice, and after a few years, we were like, well, this is good and all, but the the format and kind of the, the, the niche we had worked ourselves into wasn't quite scratching all the itches we had. And so we said, well, let's let's kind of put, you know, end the webcomic and then see what else we can, we can work on. We wanted to keep working together. And what we ended up doing was taking the Space Gun kind of brand name and turning it into... Um, a comic studio, and we ended up picking up some some other local artists to collaborate with. Um, now the studio is me and Lun, uh, Matthew Warlick, and Paul Milligan, and we've just been kind of doing different collaborative um, comic projects from then on. You know, we've done a couple of anthologies um, and a bunch of like indie independent projects of our own that we've been slowly putting out over the years. So, you know, with you guys, you know, specializing in indie and creator owned and that kind of thing, do you guys have any plans to do some of the uh, comicsology uh, indie indie opportunity there? It's it's a fairly interesting uh, means of distribution. I don't um, I don't think quite honestly, I don't I'm not sure if we need another gatekeeper gatekeeper yeah. for digital media. Um because there's the whole aspect of people buying, like, like especially right now, because they're mostly just small books, like single issue of, over, of an overall arc. Um, I really enjoy what Viz has been doing with their stuff, because their their books are very, uh, they're half price of the print books, mm-hmm. and they've been catching up with their uh, library. It's we we, we kind of looked at it, but I think we're still in that weird infancy of. I don't think we. I don't even think we found a good price point yet. No. Uh-uh. Like well, the ninety nine cents thing is is what people are expecting, but I think that's a little too low. But charging like two ninety nine for a three ninety nine book, I think is still a little iffy. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned a company that was doing that, and I didn't catch the name. Hmm? Uh, Viz, Viz Comics. Oh, okay. uh, they do manga, and they've been doing manga for a very, very long time. Oh, okay. And their their digital initiative seems to be really, really good. Um, like my wife buys a lot of it because you know it's it's half price. It's half the price of a print book. Sure. And if she really likes it, she'll go out and buy the print books. 
and they've they've caught up with their their own library. So I think they put out like all the Kinchin. Uh, I think they caught up on Hikari no Go, and it's every Monday. It's Manga Monday, and it's always new books, and it's it's. Oh, it's Tuesday now. Um, <laughs> well, Manga Monday sounded much better than Manga Tuesday. Yeah, and so they've, they've done a really good job, and like because their their price point is a little different because they are licensing books; they're not creating books, and so that model kind of works for there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I said earlier, um, like music has found their price point. Uh, more recently, if you look at stand-up comedy, found a good price point for their specials, mm-hmm. uh, like five bucks. Like everyone's doing a five dollars special and for digitally, and it's going really well. And that's a price point people are willing to pay right. for that kind of content. I don't, I don't think comics have found that just yet. Using that kind of like digital distribution through a third-party kind of thing. Right. Well, so we're we're also at that stage where where comicsology might not necessarily be. Because we're 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 a little too small to just kind of assume there's an audience looking for it there. Sure, but but you know, it's, we're, I think we're I think we're that paid place where like the self the self promotion like having our own website and you know through Tumblr and other social media stuff may actually be a bit more um, pertinent to 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 what we're putting out and kind of the schedules we're on and things like that. Sure. Sure. So, is there is there a value for you guys in in terms of you know seizing on the the comicsology opportunity because that's where people are going to look for you know that's where the where most people I, I would assume are going to look for comics. It it depends. It depends on the kind of reader because yeah. comicsology. I mean, largely what's drive as far as I can tell, what drives comicsology now is what largely drives the direct market. Mm-hmm. Which is which is still you know a the lot big, of big two books and sure. yeah, you know like if you want to get really expansive the big five or something you know th- those <laughs> kind of extended you know three or four companies down the line right but you know it, it, that's a, that's a very particular reader base and they're used to certain things and a lot of the stuff that we're working on currently um, probably fits a little better in in the indie indie circles like like if we were going to publish all of the stuff we were doing right now through an actual publisher i think all of it would go through something like image or at at the biggest you know Mm -hmm. like because i think of all the ideas that we're currently working on i think there's maybe one superhero story and we're not getting to that one fast and it's Mm -hmm. a farce (laughs) oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, he, he even forgot about it. <laughs> like, that's how far down the list it is. Sure. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I mean, it. it I th- I feel like right now it's it's something that we're kind of keeping an eye on, but not something we're um we're we're like driving forward as as a short term goal. So uh, the whole reason why uh, we are chatting today is you guys have some new stuff co- cooking over on your site. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. Uh, Len, you want to do the honors, or...? or? Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a horrible pronunciation of it. Because <laughs> it was originally called uh, the Apocalypse Tour, because it's going to be a start on uh, for 2013, obviously after the big apocalypse, which didn't happen. So we renamed it the Quetzalcoatl Tour? Quetzalcoatl Tour. Quetzalcoatl. I'm yeah. Asian. I can't do it. Yeah. So uh, the idea is that we want to be content creators, and... We want to be consistent. Like that's one of the things we've come across that I'm very proud of uh, with Space Gun is that people come to us come to us at cons and they say what's new because they expect 
something new. Even at uh, the Indie Comic Book Week this year, um, Brent came up and was like, "Hey, where's the new where's the new Space Gun book?" Because they expected something new from us. And Did you tell him it's on its way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he told Ruby. Okay, right on. <laughs> and so, uh, what we're going what we plan on doing this year is to put out content on a weekly basis. Uh, it's gonna be ranging from. Uh, do you want to go through the format, Jake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we're kind of setting up the website as a bit of a grab bag, um, in that partially it helps us production wise. Um, but also because it adds, it allows us to really spread out the diversity of the material we're putting out. And so we're doing these weekly updates and we've decided that, okay, well, one of the updates every month is going to be a podcast update. And that's going to be a lot of like, um, reader feedback and things like that. But it will also be a lot of behind the scenes and like process stuff and maybe some other kinds of discussion topics that'll come up here and there. And then the other three weeks of the month will be different kinds of content updates. And we're going to do three different primary types of content updates. And the first one's obviously going to be Space Gun original comics. Um, And those will vary from, you know, I think we've set our our baseline is I think the minimum update for comics will be four pages. So it'll be like if you're getting a weekly update, you're going to be getting what you would be getting from like another like a web comic that updated, you know, almost like once a day almost. Um, And those will be like there will be some short stories. There might even be some full issues later down the line. Not going to make any promises just yet, but we have we have stuff in the queue. Right. and so, that, so that's the first kind of update, which is just Space Gun original comics, which the four of us working on them. The second kind of update will be um, audio short fiction, which thankfully you have assisted us with. Well, um, yeah, you know, I live to serve. I know. And, and, and you did a fantastic job, by the way. Um, <laughs> and you're, you're going to be our first update. Look um, at me. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right? Space Gun Studios is going to make me a star. Well, so so one of the things that because because I work a god awful day job to meet the bills, um, I listen to um, a metric ton of podcasts, and a lot of the ones I listen to are audio fiction, just because it's you know they're good and entertaining, and I also feel like it keeps me sharp when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I haven't like scratched the prose itch in a while, and so I was like, well, it'd be nice to do that and actually have a way to get that out there that people will you know, consume. And I know that because I like to listen to podcasts while I work, I'm like, that's a really kind of passive way to get material to people Mm -hmm. um, without like requiring quite as much commitment. (laughs) Oh no. I mean, I I absolutely believe that if you are a, a starting out author, the Mm -hmm. way to get your, your, your words out to people is through audio fiction because you know, how many times has somebody handed you a story that you, they wanted you to read? And you're like, I don't want to read this. Right, but it's okay. so easy to listen to something. Well, yeah. and, and, and it's because the the level of like if, like, if you think about it in a book, you can't multitask while reading a book. Right. You know, you just, I mean, the most you could do is like, like read a book while you're on a treadmill at the gym yeah, or something. Right. You know, but, but there's really nothing else you can do while doing it. But if you have an audio, you know, fiction version of that that same text, well, yeah. you could be doing anything. Like, like right. I, you know, I can crunch numbers on a spreadsheet at work or I can listen to it in the car while I'm driving home yep. or, you know. Yeah. There's a lot more options. Absolutely. And um, and the other nice thing about it is is that opening up that realm for prose fiction, um, because I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, writing is way faster than drawing. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and, and particularly if you're doing, you know, um, prose fiction, I mean – if I really want to, I can bang out, you know, a thousand words a day. If I was to try and draw those thousand words, that could take a week. Right. 
Right. Um, so, so the you know, audio fiction's the other one we're doing. And that's going to be, you know, a range of different, you know, it'll, it'll always be short stories of some type or another. We may do, we've got a couple that I'm looking at now that may end up being like split, like two, uh, two updates, like a longer story. Mm-hmm. A multi-parters. Yeah, multi-parters, yeah. Um, but most of them I think will probably fall in like the range of like 30 to 45 minutes, you know, 6,000 words would be like the cap. Right. Um, uh, and then the third kind of update we're going to be doing is because Space Gun has always been um, a very collaborative kind of environment. And and the, some of the, the projects we're really known for are collaborations, Indie Comic Book Week, the Synesthetic Anthology, the stuff that that kind of everybody knows that Space Gun has done has always been us working with other artists and other writers and people from kind of our local community and, and beyond. Um, and so the Space Gun selects will be us uh, pairing up with people outside the studio and doing either, you know, one of those other types of updates, but with people outside the studio. So like, you know, fiction updates or comic updates. And the first one we're going to drop is... Um, a comic update. It's a little short story that I did with a, a local artist named Devin Kraft, um, who we met uh, at Dallas Comic Con recently. And great artist, cool guy. So we're doing a story with him. And then I know Matt. I think has got some in the queue. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, those are the, those are the kind of updates we've got. And I think the the idea is that we want to make the website and Space Gun in general, kind of a grab bag. Mm-hmm. So that you, you, you come there every week, and you're really never sure what you're going to get necessarily, but it's always going to be something different and new and, you know, just a big range of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and we're hoping that, like, it's, it's going to be us turning Space Gun into a home for new content on a consistent basis. Because right. we want, that's one of the things I found that a lot of people... Um, lack or, or struggle with oh, yeah. in the content community is uh, consistency and constant updates or just sticking to a schedule that they that they have put out and a lot of the times the people who do really well it's because they're consistent and you know that's fans are can rely on them to put out new stuff well you, you will uh, never meet an angrier person who doesn't get his free content on time <laughs> <laughs> I wanted my podcast on Monday morning and it wasn't there. I get fussed out about that periodically. Oh yeah. That's all the time. It'll be there Monday evening. I promise. (laughs) Call off the hitmen. Well, and I think the other nice thing about it is because of, because we're kind of introducing it in this sort of varied format, I feel like it gives us a lot of leeway in certain, in, in the kinds of stories we can tell. Mm-hmm. So, so like, you know, cause there are some stories that really don't need more than, you know, eight pages sure, or more than a, you know, a single short story or something. And I, I and I know Lund, Lund is this way too, and to a degree that, that I'm a fan of things that end, um, <laughs> that have, that have like hard stop endings mm-hmm. and in comics, it, it, particularly in mainstream comics, that's a little less commonplace. There's, there's a, <laughs> yeah. there's much more of that drive for that constant ever perpetual act two yeah Yeah. act two yeah yeah yeah. it is always act two yeah it's an act two business right exactly and i'm like but you know that's great and all but man that leaves out a lot of really good act threes right and if you think about the comics that if you were trying to get somebody into comics and listed your top 10 comics these are the ones i'd give to somebody who's never picked up a comic before Mm -hmm. i guarantee you every last one of them has a hard stop ending yeah every last one of them And, and most of them i bet even if they're mainstream superhero comics are non-canon. 
Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, sure. I would guess that, that most of them are. And I think that, that that speaks to a certain power of storytelling that we miss a lot in those in those venues. And so I'm hoping that our, our updates, the style of updates we're going for will allow for that kind of, you know, to have that three-act structure and to have closure to certain stories um, to where we can just stop them and say, that's good. We're, we're done with this one. We can come back to it later if we want, but if we want to just leave it, it has a closure to it. So in terms of your schedule, how far are y'all planned out? Uh, we have a, I think we've got a pretty hard schedule up to two months out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we've got, we've got tentatively probably another month or two and ahead of that. That's like stuff that's in production, but we can't say for certain when it's going to drop. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got a schedule for the next six, eight weeks of like stuff. That, yeah. Just straight up uploaded and almost ready to go kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was like maybe a little piece of here or there missing, but otherwise right. ready to rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we tried to, we, we tried to, we started working on this in October, right? Something like that. Yeah, we started working a little early so that we'd have a, a decent buffer. Yeah. Um, so that if we did get behind, you know, we could, <laughs> we, we could absorb <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, part of the challenges is to challenge ourselves to, because we want to be content creators, and we keep we can always talk that game all day, every day. But it's, it comes to a time where you just got to do it. Sure. And then, which is you know a lot a lot of a lot of times you hear people talk about like, hey, how do I, how do I become this? How do be, how do I become that? And especially in this day and age, it's like you you just do it. Yeah. Like there's no you you go do what you want to do because there are means of getting it out there. There are means of of getting it done. Um, and if you keep at it, people will find you eventually. Well, and it's something we've kind of missed since um, the original Space Gun webcomic days, which something that, that Lon and I are both really proud of is that we ran for three years updating twice a week while we were in college and working, and we never missed an update. Like, we had some, some less than awesome updates. <laughs> <laughs> we had some close calls. <laughs> we had some close calls. We had some outright lazy updates, but there was new content there every, you know, Every week for three years. But you see, the great thing about youth is that you don't require sleep. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> God. There, there were some comics that were started at 4 a.m. the day they were supposed to drop. Not many, but there were a couple. <laughs> yeah. But well, um, when, yeah. I, when I had my senior show in college, I had wet paintings on the wall. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Yeah, I didn't know you did art in college. Yeah, yeah, I actually have an art degree, and uh, yeah, and uh, my my professor, you know, you, se- senior year, you know, you had to have your your senior show before you graduated, and yeah. uh, she's like, "What if this painting isn't done?" Because I was working on this gigantic painting, and I said, "I will put rope around it." And I will paint it while people are in the gallery, and I'll call it a performance art piece. <laughs> and that would have worked. That totally would have worked too. But no, See, I, you, you you clearly had a better final show than I. My senior show, the profs didn't even show up. Oh, they were yeah. dicks. Well, you see, I went to a small university, so you know, mm. I went to Texas no, West. No, no, no. Lund went to the same university. His profs showed up. Uh, well, maybe they just didn't like you, Jake. Uh, it was we were different departments. <laughs> yeah, that was my, a my department. My professors, because I went to a design school. My professors actually got together with the Dallas Contemporary and let all the seniors put out their portfolios with resumes and uh, business cards and for a week invited the design community to come out and look at the new prospects. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they went out of the way to make sure that, you know, we had every opportunity to succeed. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. As opposed to the drawing and painting major where they were just like, no, you need to put all your work up in this gallery or you don't graduate. But we're not going to help you do that, and we're not going to show up for the opening. Nice. Like, yeah. See, they actually did a reception for us and everything. Oh, no, yeah. No, the the reception for ours was literally they told the students where it would open and when, and then yeah. just kind of left us. Oh, that, yeah, it said bring cookies. Bring, yeah, bring cookies. Yeah, they had us snacks. bring us. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did did they have you do a presentation to the student body about your work? No. See, at Wesleyan, any any graduating uh, uh, person from the visual arts department had to do a presentation in front of the student oh. body, and so you had to talk about your work and what your inspiration was. And you know, so most people got up there and they talked about you know the you know Renaissance painting or you know Jackson Pollock or something like that. And you know, I got up because my 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 Part of my senior show was a series of uh, intaglio etchings that I did called, you know, the crucifixion of Santa. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm at a Methodist university giving my presentation on, <laughs> on the nativity of Santa, the crucifixion of Santa. Santa raises uh, the Easter bunny from the tomb, you know, <laughs> and talk That's about awesome. my inspiration of it. And oh. tried to convince my professor to let me do a, a piece on uh, – uh, a performance art where where we painted on nude women, you know. Yeah, no, and, that's a good one. And you know, and she's like, "No, you can't do that." <laughs> like, come on, no. Listen out. Because <laughs> we were going to do a whole Dada art piece, you know, and no, she wouldn't go for it. And she was pretty edgy. She was actually it was hysterical because you know she'd have these great art department parties over to her house. And, you know, she was a, a pagan and <laughs> oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. It was great. But no, she she's like, you know, we're at a Methodist university and you can't do that. <laughs> so they fire me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, you know, I've got tenure. I've got to stay here. You know? <laughs> she's like, I'm not I'm not worried about you. This yeah, is all no, about me. It was exactly all about <laughs> That's funny. She was I, we had really good professors. You That's know, cool. it was a small university and, and you know, you'd have. Uh, in your freshman classes, maybe 20 people in your, you know, uh, freshman design right. class. And then as you, as you moved up, you had even fewer as you specialized. So, I mean, there was actually my, my senior year that I had like five people in my classes. Wow. It was great. It was great. But as you can see, I don't work in the art field. <laughs> you know, I, I went to work in advertising after I graduated and decided that was not for me. Oh, I made that same decision uh, sophomore year. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why Len and I graduated under different majors. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, you know, I I would had been recruited from a defense contractor. Uh, oh wow! You know, while my senior year, and I was I was all you know pimping it, going, yeah, yeah, I got me a job already. I'm going to go work for LTV, and I'm you know I'm going to work in their uh, design illustration. I was so excited because they were going to teach you. You oh. know how to how to do this stuff. Back in the day when they did that. Yeah, well, and you know it was right at that end of that period because you know right before I graduated, they called me and said, "Hey, you know that plane that you were gonna you know draw? Yeah, it won't fly. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a project for you. Bad news. Yeah, nice. Yeah." So we're not saying it crashes in a ball of flames. We're just saying we've gone through three test pilots this week. Yeah. Do you know anybody who's looking to fly a plane <laughs> yeah. or crash a plane for yeah, that? Crash plane. But uh, so I went to work for the Swiss company at, right after uh, college. And it was it was a year and a half. And it was an awful, awful, terrible experience. And so I that was my, that was my my last professional gig other than a little bit of freelancing after that but man that was that was just awful 
Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. So, you know, you guys are living the dream, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well that's that's the hope. I, yeah. I always tell people that our hope is to turn our our 6 p.m. to midnight drawing time to our 9 to 5 so we can get our 6 p.m. to midnight back. Now, yeah. Lun, I appreciate you know you putting that in, in terms that people like myself can understand. You know, I, I'm on Twitter enough to know that you art types are only up you know, <laughs> when the sun is down. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Well, well, but 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 he and I both have day jobs, which means right. that, that 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 you're just seeing us when we get back off of work. Right, right. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that, is that when you uh when, when you're able to turn this into a full time gig, oh yeah, yeah, it'll still be an uh, yeah, job yeah. for you. True, true. But then we'll be yeah. getting more than three hours sleep, and true. that would be pretty awesome. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, if you, if you follow Matt on Twitter or Facebook, he is up at all types oh, of hours. Well, that's because he sleeps till day. every day. Yeah. Even when yeah. I was even when I was freelancing, I didn't sleep as late as Matt. Yeah, <laughs> I'd still get yeah, up at ten a.m. <laughs> <laughs> but he's really he's he's really diligent about like his his day because he he's worked out like what are the hours he's really good at. Yeah. Yeah. And so and that's what we've come to realize too is like you come to realize especially when you work all the time and then you go to a day job you're like oh wait no these are my productive hours yeah yeah being up at a certain hour it just doesn't work for me and like i'm just way more productive during like these other hours like if i start my day about 11 or 1 i'm so much more productive Mm -hmm. i can just work for eight hours solid and not even think about it yeah Yeah. i I realize my prime like 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 when i I always got the best art done between noon and five Mm -hmm. so the trick was to start a little before then to warm up and then go to a little after then as a cool down and and then i would have my eight hour day it was just a little shifted (laughs) so So in in terms of the uh, studio Mm-hmm. How do you guys come together to collaborate on stuff? Do you, you know, are you guys just chatting online? Are y'all getting together for coffee? How are y'all, you know, kind of collaborating to to populate the content on your site for this project? Uh, we do a lot of we do pretty much any way you can get together. The only thing we're missing as a studio is studio space. Yeah, and Paul. Um, yeah, and Paul. <laughs> it's it's uh, like Paul right now is in is in Oklahoma, and so we have to we have to we have to put an extra extra effort to kind of get him into it and we have to do a lot of digital correspondence yeah even with like ourselves where i know matt's in plano yeah and i'm in irving and you're in denton like we're not that far away from each other but just getting time to get out sure yeah. that's that's is, still a pain is, in the ass it's really <laughs> it difficult yeah. to do so it's just yeah, just uh, yeah emails and skype and uh facebook and twitter we, we do the coffee meetups every now and again and usually like once every four or five months we'll have like a like a get together cookout or something um just to do like like it'll, it'll usually be like in these four month breaks where we'll get together and be like all right everybody needs to come to this one and then we'll start planning for you know what we're yeah. going to be doing for the next few months which we need to do another one of those soon i know i was just thinking about that <laughs> it's the new year we need to like ring in the new for reals and it's usually it's usually like because it's funny because we'll come to get like when the when the whole group gets together everyone brings what they've been working on and so inevitably what'll happen is somebody's like oh hey check this out and be like when did you do these like ten pages what the hell and they're like oh yeah I've been working on this for weeks it's like why didn't I know so it's like show and tell it really yeah, is. It is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there, there will inevitably be that one that that one comment where it's like it's like yeah I've been doing these pages but uh, I just I haven't been able to color them. It's like dude I'll flat those let's yeah. do it. <laughs> it usually ends up to like handing work off to each other. Right. 
<laughs> or seeing Matt's work, and you're like, how many times did you redraw this page, dude? Oh, God. <laughs> yes, cause, cause he, he works on boards, and he... Uh, I forget what type of boards he's using, but they're double-sided, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so he'll print out his blue lines on one side, start it, not like it, and then print on the other side and start that to, on, on that side. So all his boards are like both uh, – he works on both he, sides. He hasn't quite gotten to the self-loathing level of, of Mignola with redrawing, but but <laughs> he's gotten close a couple of times. We're like, dude, you need to stop. <laughs> and they're beautiful pages. Like, dude, what are you doing to yourself? Yeah. If this is awesome, move on. He'll start. He'll get to the end of the story and be like, oh, but I did those other pages three weeks ago. They don't look good anymore. <laughs> I want to redo them. I'm like, no, you are done. Walk away. Yeah. So uh, this episode's going to drop uh, around the 21st. What's going to be on your site for our folks to, to go take a look at? Uh, we'll have our first comic post, which, Lon, you, that's yours. So Okay, yeah. Well, on the 4th, we drop our first podcast. Which is essentially what this is, so you guys can listen to that or not. On the, <laughs> on the 11th of January, I have queued up a short story. It's just kind of a, a starter of a story that me and uh, Paul worked on that I wrote uh, called Steam 7. It's a it's kind of a revolutionary period uh, story where it's about a group of British special ops. Yeah. And they are... They are coming over to America like via Zeppelin because it's all steampunk. Because kind of, okay. yeah, alt, hist- alt history, Revolutionary War, steampunk. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. and it's about you know uh, uh, special uh, uh, forces and stuff. And so it's a, it's essentially the start of them coming over to America to, to work on a mission. And I've kind of worked this wacky conspiracy theory into it as well because um, I listened to a lot of crazy podcasts about way out there stuff, and I was like, oh, it's I include some of that in this alternate kind of universe. Cool. Yeah. How, how long is that one going to be? Uh, this first one's going to be about four pages. And is it something you're going to revisit? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have the whole thing uh, written out, which is, is there multiple parts of it are in various stages of completion. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, so the first four are done, and then we'll hopefully we can pick that, pick that back up fairly soon. This is like a chapter one, basically. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, then after after that, the second post update, which will be... On the 18th. Is it the 18th? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, that'll be um, the one that you're on, Aaron. Um, it's going to be our first short fiction update. Um, and that's going to be... Uh, it's a horror story. Um, a, a werewolf horror story uh, called The Cage, which, thankfully, Aaron, you have lended your voice to and did a fantastic job. Thank you. You're very kind. Oh, it, it really was good. Like I, 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 I when I was, because when I when I thought of doing the, the audio fiction, I was like, okay, who do I know who's got a good voice? Um, and and I have a friend who's a, a voice actress, and she's doing my my next one. She's working on it now. Um, and then you were the, like literally the next name on in my mind. I was like, yeah, yeah, Aaron can do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was just finding the right story, and so and and so I started writing that particular one. Um, and as I was writing it, I was like. Yeah, this is the one Aaron's gonna get. I think because <laughs> <laughs> I know I know I gave you like a selection of stories, but I, I won't lie. I kind of I kind of hedged my bet and and described them in such a way I knew pretty pretty much because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like yeah, there's because the, like the guys at the very end, the truck full of dudes. Uh-huh. I was like. 
this, these are voices I know Aaron can do. <laughs> I've heard him do these voices before. I, you know, I, I have never voiced audio fiction before. You know, I've done the I've done the short stuff for Knights of Rainsboro. Right. You know, right. it's just like the the front end kinds of stuff, and then during the the actual play. But you know, that maintaining that character, I made a huge mistake. When, oh. I, when I chose one of the characters, because I just kind of went off the top of my head with what voice I wanted to assign to him. And so I did this, you know, very gravelly back of the voice, which is great when you're doing something that's maybe 20 seconds long. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it was six pages, single spaced. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and by about page three, I was cussing you pretty hard, Jake. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've got a buddy who's a voice actor, and I'm like, yeah, I made this mistake that I'm sure you wouldn't have made because you're smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it it sounds excellent. <laughs> yeah, boy. I mean, I, I I had told you, I said, hey, man, I'm done with recording, but I've got to edit it. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it was me, you know, descending into a coughing fit. And uh, and then and then swearing at you pretty loud, you know, fucking Jake. <laughs> oh, oh, I hope some of that audio is still around. That'd be yeah. hilarious to put like as a I, as like a tag on the end of something. Some... I can give you the outtakes. Oh, God. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I may have to get this from you. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> and there, I mean, when it first started, it was me apologizing. Sorry about that. <laughs> and then and then it, you know, rapidly descends rapidly over a three page period. You know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, wait, I'm waiting because I'm waiting for my, my next uh, reader to get hers back to me because I, I, I know it's going to come because the one that she's working on is a fantasy story. Uh-huh. And 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 I, I put a little appendix at the top of it. I was like, okay, there are some really awful fantasy names in here. Sure. sure. I'm going to break down <laughs> the pronunciations. But I know I'm going to get it back and she's going to be like, you know, that those were really awful names. Oh, I was cussing you on the word colloquially. Oh, <laughs> colloquially or colloquialism is one of those two. Yeah. And and I was like, God, because it was the it was the it was the uh, rhythm of the sentence. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when I when I got to colloquially, I was like, God damn it, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> it's only in there once. I, I know. But man, I was I, I was cussing you pretty hard. <laughs> it happens a lot. I, I think Devin said he was like, Jake said group of kids. He's getting four. Yeah. <laughs> I knew he was going to shortcut that. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> and he came back and said four. I was like, that's fine. Don't worry. Even back in our old space gun days, because we were roommates, I'm lettering something. I'm like, Jake. He's like, what? I'm cutting these words out. You're wordy. <laughs> I'm way better than I used to be. <laughs> way better. Wallet. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. But so, so actually, that's the third update, because that'll be like once this drops, that'll be the very next update will be Devin's. Yes. Um, and it's uh, a four-page short. It is a uh, a sci-fi story, near future sci-fi, um, and yeah, it's gonna be good. So it, it involves uh, uh, cybernetics and oh, and and nice. the slums in India. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So should be fun stuff. Well, I'm excited about all the content you guys have coming. You Thank know, you. I I, I, uh, I I have to say, it seems like. I know there are a lot more people into in podcasts right now, hmm. but it seems like the quality of podcasting has shrunk 
You know that some really? of, some of the places that that I've mm-hmm. gone to forever for for good stuff have retired. They're not doing you know that they, they hit their two hundredth episode and they don't do it anymore. And so you know it's great to see you know other talented content creators come out and and, and bringing fresh fresh and new content. So I'm excited about that, particularly on the audio side. Uh, you know, because like yourself, I'm I'm kind of a a, a podcast whore. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I, 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 I tallied. I think I listen to like 23 different podcasts every week. Yeah, I listen to a ridiculous number of, of, of podcasts. So tell me what, you know, audio fiction, tell me what you're listening to. Uh, I listen to all three of the Escape Artists podcasts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you listen to those or not, mm-hmm. but the, uh, respectively, Escape Pod, Pseudopod, uh, and Podcastle, right. which is sci fi, fantasy, and horror, I think. Um, I listen to Drabblecast which is another audio fiction cast, which the host for that just is now the new host for Escape Pod. Oh, okay. Um, God, those are the audio fiction ones I listen to. And I, and then I listen to like a whole slate of, you know, it's mixed. It's like a, a couple of the Nerdist podcasts I listen to, um, which you actually got me on the Nerdist Writers podcast. I love the Nerdist Writers panel. I do. I like that one. Yeah. It's, it's, it is very interesting. I like that one a lot. It, um, is, it is rare that they have a panel I can't listen to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, what I like about it is that it's a, it's because it's so TV oriented. Yeah. It's a writing podcast that is unlike any of the other writing podcasts I listen right. to. Right. Yeah. In fact, it, the, the, the so, only the only time I get a little frustrated with him is when he's got comic book creators on, and you yeah. can tell that the audience doesn't know who they are. Oh. Yeah. You know, and it I'm is just sad. Yeah. And I'm just like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you got Ed Brubaker there. Do something with this. Yeah. yeah and they they've had Brubaker on a couple of times. Yeah. Like, and they, and it's like they, they, I'm sorry. I ask, where, where do they do that at? Strangely enough, Meltdown Comics, I think. Yeah. What? Or is it uh, Meltdown yeah. or is it? Uh, it's Meltdown. Yeah. It's yeah. If it's if it's where everybody else where they do all their other ones. Yeah. It's like you should know then. Well, but well, I, I I think they get so used to coming to the writer the TV writers panel, oh, they yeah. get surprised when it's a comic book writer. Right. Oh, okay. Because That's because weird. they're I mean they're big like. Big on TV writers. Like, right. they got Matt Nix from Burn Notice. Oh, yeah. A couple of guys from Lost, I think. Yeah, and, well, and, uh, yeah, they had Damon Lindelof on. They've had, uh, Lindelof. <laughs> uh the, the, uh, uh <laughs> from, uh, Breaking Bad and, yeah. you know, Longmire, oh, okay. Justified. And, I mean, you know, I, I tell you what, if you're somebody who, you know, thinks that there's nothing good on TV, you listen to an episode of the Nerdist Writers Panel, and you will find something good to watch. That is true. You yeah. know, because yeah, I was because they talk about enough shows too that like the stuff they're into, and you're like, yeah. oh, that does sound good. Well, you know, I hadn't been watching Breaking Bad because I watched the first episode of it, and I was like, well, this is this is dark and depressing, and I don't think I want to watch this every week. Mm-hmm. And then they had the showrunner on, and, and I was like, well, that sounds awesome, and I gave it a, sh- a shot, and now I'm addicted. See, and, I, I watched two seasons of Breaking Bad. I had to check out it. it the, the the bit where uh, spoiler alerts on uh, what the what happens to Jesse's girlfriend. Oh yeah. At the end of season two, I was like, okay, I got it. I, yeah. I checked yeah. out then. I was like, well, and it's it's fascinating because you're watching someone who was mostly a good person right. become a monster. Mm-hmm. Oh you yeah. You know, and that's what I find so fascinating about that show. Mm-hmm. You know, and every time he does something. Every time he gets over on somebody and and seems to have a win, something horrible happens to him. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's this it's this whole you know karma dharma thing he's got going on. Uh, 
that I find just fascinating. But I mean, I, I also tuned into Justified, and I am absolutely oh, hooked God, on Justified. Justified. I'm I'm really pissed because they don't play it on uh, Hulu anymore. Oh, really? So I got to watch the first two seasons, and I haven't seen anything past I, the end of season two. I just oh, got no. season. I just got season yeah. three on Blu-ray. Ugh. I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm mad because now I just have to like at some point I'd be like, OK, well, I'm just going to buy the DVDs. I know I'll love them. I just, yeah. you know, they, it's fine. It's, it's finding that extra cash to just throw down. I, I may have watched uh, three episodes on a sick day recently. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have the first season. So every now and again, I'll just pop it in and rewatch it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 like I said. You you listen to the Nerdist Writers Panel, you will find something good to watch. Yeah, and yeah, I've been liking um, uh, Fat Man on Batman. I don't listen oh, to any of the other yeah. Kevin Smith podcasts, but yeah. Fat Man on Batman is great. Yeah, it really is, and and not for Kevin Smith. No, you know no. it's for Paul Dini and Mark Hamill and the other guests. Is it Paul Dini, the the de facto co-host. You're now, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. he's on every other episode. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's those Lun. Have you listened to them at all? Uh, not yet. It's in my queue. They are I, so I, I good. Have, Dude. I have a hard time listening to some things because then I'll just stop working. Yeah. And listen. So I was like, damn it. Yeah. They they've been doing. Uh, you, you'll like it, dude. They've been doing. Uh, him and Dini have been doing their own. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, commentary tracks. Oh, for episodes of the animated series Ooh. and like Justice League. Oh, dude, they're it's really great. And, and like cool. because you've seen those episodes, you don't need to be watching it. Right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, and in fact, I I kind of wonder. I need to to queue one up and watch it with the commentary because the commentary really doesn't go with the show. They, they yeah. it's, it's almost like, hey, that thing happened in the show, and and then it just goes off into a whole other conversation. It so becomes a whole different, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so and so it's not we're talking about what's on the screen. They're they're using the screen to run off into a tangent into something oh, yeah. else, but it's so satisfying and much better than any commentary track you're ever going to get on the DVD. Well, well, and I think uh, yeah. I, part of it's because Kevin, like he intentionally, he's like, we're gonna tr- we're muting this. Because if we leave it on, we're just going to start watching it. It'll become one of those god awful commentary tracks where it's, oh yeah, I love this part. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. The commentary tracks are clerks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he says that. Basically. He owns that completely. Yeah. Uh, no, but Fat Man on Batman's fantastic, and I just get so frustrated when there's not a new one up. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. This is kind of a weird intersection uh, because I listened to like three of these today um, for like the audio fiction, like voice acting. Have you heard of Rob Paulson's podcast? Yeah. Have you listened to it? No, I never listened to it. But I've oh, heard dude, it. some you cherry pick the episodes, uh-huh. but but oh man, some of those episodes are they almost have gotten me in trouble at work several times. <laughs> like the, the one, John DiMaggio's episode that was and, brilliant. It's amazing. Oh, God, yeah, and he 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 has one where it's it's a live session where he and the composer from Animaniacs uh-huh. did a live show at the John Lovitz Theater. Mm. And just went did a musical number of like a bunch of that guy's songs, not just from Animaniacs, but he's he's just like a songwriter in general. And yeah. oh my god, like phenomenal, <laughs> really good stuff. Mm-mm-mm. I have to check that out. Tasty. So, Lun, you listening to anything? Um, yeah, I listen to something a little a little more out there. I guess I listen to a lot of the Death Squad podcast. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. It's, what is that? It's Joe Rogan and his crew. And it started out with him and this little producer guy named Red Band, and it's kind of spun off into a lot of those that group of people. They're all the the comedians, and they have their own little podcasting uh, like network. So uh, Rogan has, I think he had, um, God, who he had on today? Anyways, 
but he has like uh, like some MMA guys. He has on like he had on a guy the other week. I guess he's from like down the road from where he lives. Where he this scientist said that uh, the HIV virus doesn't cause AIDS, and it was his presentation of his findings. That to all the way to like Duncan Trussell, who's a comedian, talks about watching Nat Geo and while you know tripping on shrooms <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So they're 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 kind of out there, and they, it's all like really random. And so that's why I usually listen to like him, uh, Ari Shafir. Uh, I listened to Aisha Taylor for a little bit. I haven't caught up on that. Um, she she's a little hit or miss, yeah. depending. Like, I I like her yeah. podcast, but it it varies. By yeah. the guest, hmm. yeah. Death Squad has this whole network of just like everyone comes in and they do they have their own their own little mini shows. And sure, they're all all they're all under all under one channel, but they all have their own separate shows. So on that thing, so it's it's kind of grown up. And they have something really neat called the Ice House Ice House Chronicles. And what it is, it's essentially they put a mic in the green room during a comedy show. And so they'll be talking, and all of a sudden you see someone you hear someone come in, and you're like, oh shit, is it my turn? It's like, yeah. I got, I'll be right back. And he'll go out and do his set. And they'll keep talking. And then he'll come back. And like, dude, that crowd was amazing. Yo, Nick, you're up. You know, and they do that kind of, It's really interesting to hear that huh. from back there. So Check it's them getting out. amped up for the show. It's them getting amped up for the comedy show. Go out, carry the energy out to like a small, maybe 50, 75 people room. Do the show. Then come back and carry the energy back in to the podcast. That sounds interesting. I'll check that out. But yeah, that's what I listen to. Cool. Well, guys... <laughs> Thanks for joining me tonight. Thanks for having, Thank you for having us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I am I am excited beyond going and listening to my voice over on the Space Gun Studios <laughs> site. And and that is spacegunstudios.com, right? Space dash gun. Space dash gun. Yeah, you gotta put the dash in there. Okay. The dash, or I think technically speaking, it's a hyphen. Yes, it's a hyphen. <laughs> Wow, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> you and your uptown hyphen, Lun. <laughs> <laughs> or I have or, to or, deal or Facebook. You can find us on Facebook. Facebook as well. Uh, uh, we're actually all over on various sorts of social media. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com backslash Space Gun Studios. Uh, we're also on Tumblr under Space Gun Studios. Uh, Twitter as well under Space Gun Studios. Um, I think right now we are like the second or third thing that you did. I mean, yeah, if you just type in things. Space Gun Studios in, in Google, I think we're number one. Very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, I, I'm excited for what you guys have coming out. So Thank you, sir. Looking forward to seeing it and hearing it. We are jazzed. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Thank you. Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. And what the hell is going on around here, boys? What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're recording. It's I, 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 Listen, you know, I've only been gone, what, two weeks? Something and, like that. We have a big counting. And shit has gone awry. You've been gone? Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been gone. I know you haven't noticed, Aaron, from your ivory tower. It's hard to see us peons. I don't know what's going awry. I thought everything was going wonderful. Yeah. All, oh, yeah. All you, all you amazing friends look the same to me, Tim. <laughs> he refers to us as the bourgeoisie. Yeah. I, I, gen- I generally refer to you as your employee numbers. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Employee numbers without employee paychecks. That's fantastic. But we have business cards at least. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have several issues with how things have been going in the last few weeks. Oh, oh okay. Well, let's let, let's enumerate them. Okay. Well, in chronological order. Okay. Okay. Number one, Spider-Man Seven Hundred. Yes, sir. All right. Spider-Man. Listen, I jumped off when Alpha showed up. Alpha showed up. I'm like, it's gonna go bad. And it's gonna go real bad. And I jumped off. I'm out. And I really liked Big Time and a lot of the stuff that Spider Island was great. And. The Superior Spider-Man stuff. It's like, man, I'm really glad I'm not buying this book anymore. I might, I might nerd rage about it a little bit. So, um, I, you know, you guys spent a lot of time talking up Spider-Man, how you love Spider-Man and Spider-Man 700, and yeah, <laughs> glad I saved my money. I don't All believe right. we really said we loved Spider-Man 700. Paul, you're, interrupt- I- Paul, you're interrupting me. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Do I have to wait till the end to refute these points? <laughs> no, no. I suppose you can continue to be wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I will let you continue right. your enumeration. All right. Number two. What? what what's the rule? Listen, I, I'm sitting there listening to it, and it's like, okay, I, I have, I have, st- I have canceled subscriptions to podcasts for the for this offense. Let me tell you right now. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm listening to my funny books with Aaron, Polly, not Tim, Wayne, Andrew, and some dude named Luke. And somebody's make somebody is telling me how bad Thor is. <laughs> I, hey, I tried to correct him. I I, I I was in there for you, Chief. Look, you know, when he had his own podcast and he, you know, he did his own thing about this and Thor. You know, I, that's fine. Whatever. You're you're allowed to have an opinion even if it's wrong, but not in my goddamn house, Aaron. You know what I'm saying? I, hey, I'm just I'm just saying. You know, I stood up for you. Yeah, you should have booted him. You should, you should, you should the test. Off the you show. Do, you gonna come to my house? You gonna you gonna take a you gonna go to the bathroom and, and take a number two in the upper decker? Is that what you're gonna do to me? Huh? You wanna kick my dog while you're here? What the hell? Oh my god! I was so mad. I I, I had to stop listening. I was, I was like, did that just fucking happen? Oh, <laughs> tell us tell us how you really feel about that one. That was it pissed me off. Is what it did. So when he writes his next wizard sleeve column for ideology of men as you won't be reading that one i'm assuming I will blow my nose on the wizard sleeve <laughs> it, and then, and then let's bring us to avengers academy okay avengers I'm arena or, or academy yeah i'm with wayne here i'll i'll sign the goddamn petition in blood let me tell you right now first you kill metal which i really loved and now you kill Darkhawk. one of my one of my 90s like guilty pleasure books really preach it tim preach it really that's terrible. And then uh, now you're gonna kill a reptile. Yeah. Okay. I'm really, I'm really glad you guys like a book that's all about uh, destroying things that we love. You probably watch that thing on Yahoo where they blow up people's stuff too, just to blow it up. If I had known about it earlier, I might have. <laughs> as long as it's not my stuff, I'm good with that. Right. Oh exactly. yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, it's my stuff that's getting blown up. Yep, and I'm good with um, that. Yeah, I mean, if they if they made a series about characters that I loved and they killed a new character in every issue, I'd probably be pissed off too. But since I don't give a shit about any of these characters, <laughs> kill them all. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> there better be one person standing at the end of the series, or I will be pissed. And it better Aaron, be arcade. Aaron, would you would you consider yourself the moderator in this in this show? Oh shit! You know, this is one of those no win scenarios, isn't it? 
you know, yes, I, 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 I guess I do see myself as kind of the, the moderating presence. Oh, dear. So all, all these offenses happen under your watch, basically. That's correct, yes. And you, could, you couldn't edit out any of that crap, could you? I, yeah, my hands were tied. I, uh, I, it was, it, yeah, I, it was, it was, yeah, no. Arti- artistic license, journalistic, <laughs> got all that shit. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That's all right. You know, that, was- that, that said, I, you know, I'm, I'm surprised at, at some of your, your ire in, in certain of these circumstances. I mean, who gets wrapped around the axle about Darkhawk for Christ's sake? This guy. But, uh, you know, I did know, I knew when it was happening that the Thor thing was going to be an issue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I even made a comment that I couldn't wait to hear your response yeah. to it. Uh, you know what I think this proves? Is that Tim is the only one of us that when he's not on the podcast, listens to the episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know that's Andrew true. doesn't. This, 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 we, this, that's, that's all in the past. That, that we're streets ahead now. We're moving forward. We're not running into the into the reef. Okay. Yes, sir. God yes. damn. <laughs> Paul, you've got news. Well, uh, <laughs> how do you follow that up? And now the news. <laughs> and now the news with Paul Aponte. Um, so DC, uh, you know, if you've been on the internet this week, you have been aware that DC is going through a whole ton of changes. Um, Lots of editorial changes. Things are a little crazy over there. Um, the, they announced a new Constantine series written originally by Robert Vendetti. Um, and they have, even before the first issue ships, retroactively taken that guy off of the series and given it to Jeff Lemire. Um, Jim Zub. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say Jim Zub from Skull Kickers was going to be writing Birds of Prey again. Um, apparently his pitch didn't work out, and they've given it to Christy Marks from uh, – that uh, Amethyst series. Uh, I mean, just and uh, they shit can Gail Simone. They rehire Gail Simone. Yeah, I mean, all sorts of changes. I mean, including the fact that Andy Diggle and and um, Tony Dan, you were supposed to be taking over Action Comics, I believe, with issue eighteen. Well, Grant Morrison, you know, has decided, you know, fuck those guys. I still have another <laughs> issue. <laughs> Basically, he's like, yeah, you know, I need another issue to tell my shitty story, and so uh, so they're. Their initial debut, even though it has already been solicited and orders have already been put in for that issue, they have he has decided he needs another issue. So their initial issue has been pushed off to issue 19. That's crazy. So what you're saying is besides being a bad writer, Grant Morrison's also a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I think his story should have ended about seven issues ago, maybe yeah. 10, maybe 17. Yeah. Um, or maybe he should have never been put on the book. Yeah. Well, you know, the first issue was really good. No. <laughs> you liked it. We can rewind a, a 14 months and re-listen to that first episode. I, I, I don't think I would use the, the term like. You didn't dislike it. Uh, I, I didn't hate it with everything that I had. I didn't hate it from the very center of my being. Mm-hmm. So, you know, DC has been kind of holding off on announcing their 2013 book, their free comic book day book, DC and Marvel. Um, both, you know, they both said top secret, you know, book. Well, DC just announced their free comic book day book for this year, and it's a reprint uh, the first issue of Last Son of Krypton, the Jeff Johns, Richard Donner, Andy Kubert, or Adam Kubert action comics book. So something pre-New 52. Not only pre-New 52, but like, I mean, at this point, isn't that like five years old? Yeah. Yeah, uh, they just released a trade of it recently. Yeah, like I mean, I know it's, it's still a good book, but it certainly isn't representative of what they're printing today. Exactly. Superman and Lois, or Clark and Lois are still married. Yep. 
uh, you know, I mean, it, it is an entirely different universe. It's a very odd choice, and I know they're trying to appeal to people who go to the cinema and see Man of Steel with Clark and Lois and Zod and all that, but I think it's a very odd choice to go with a book that old. Yeah. Yeah, when you're trying to get you know people into stores, into comics, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a weird choice. It's an advertisement for a trade paperback. It's not even an advertisement for their monthly books, essentially. Well, I mean, Paul, who says you know you're doing a bang up job on on the Amethyst book? Let's give you another book. Is that a, is that a phrase that actually someone uttered at DC? Uh, <laughs> well, apparently. Here's the thing. <laughs> apparently, Christy Marks um, is in good with Dan DiDio. Um so I, I believe that's. How she, uh, how she got in with the, you know, into DC, and so, and when I say in good, I mean I mean they're buddies. But, oh, uh, I was gonna say Aaron calls that the Plan B way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's a little disappointing that you know, I mean Constantine. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Jeff Lemire is a great writer. I think he's already writing Constantine in Justice League Dark. Yeah, and he's doing so, a bang up job with it too. That, yeah, that book's so, fantastic. So I'm not entirely sure the purpose of having the Constantine book written by Jeff Lemire and the Justice League Dark book, which is essentially Constantine's book written by Jeff Lemire. Yeah, I think you just wind up – and I think it would be great. I just think you wind up doubling your story. Yeah, essentially. I think they'll you just know. tie in together. It'll just be yeah. like a bi-weekly book at this yeah. point. But well, yeah, I, just, I, think you, I think you just described what the point is. Yeah, yeah. and I don't have a problem with that. I, but I, I might also you know, be inclined just to have Justice League Dark double-shipped. Well, you know. yeah. Well, and apparently, um, Superman Family Adventures by uh, the Teen Titans creative, or not Teen Titans, the Tiny Titans creative team. Oh, I was about to choke somebody. Um, <laughs> so, Superman Family Adventures is a uh, an all ages book. Um, it's it's by Art Balthazar yeah. and Franco. Yeah, uh, Art and Franco. Fun, uh, Art and Franco. Um, yeah, just fun little stories. You know, all ages appropriate. Apparently, the creators didn't know the book was canceled until they saw so in the solicitations. God, that sucks. <laughs> you know, what I is just up I, with DC lately? I mean, when you look at what happened with Gail Simone, she originally found out she was going to be fired off of someone else's tweet. Yeah, that's like showing up to the office and you know your card key doesn't work. <laughs> you know they, they've they've already scraped the vinyl lettering of your name off the door and put some else's some somebody else's name up there. I mean, it's just so classless. It really is. You know, I, I'm starting to think that they're the same person was like, "Hey, Scott Libdell, we really love what you're doing with Teen Titans. Why don't you see what you can do with Superman?" Same guy. But that actually worked. It did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a little confusing to me how it, it seems like the company is just so poorly run. Yeah. You know, you don't hear about these things from Warner Brothers. You're only hearing about it specifically about DC. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there there are some major issues there, and I think it's just going to – I mean, the books are getting out on time. So I will say that. You know, as far as a fan, if I was a fan with no internet access, it would – You'd never know. I'd never know. You'd never know. Um, but it, it just seems like there's so much going on there. I, I don't imagine it's the greatest place to really be right now as far think, as a, being a creator. I think Dan DiDio has a wheel, and every day he he goes into our office and he spins the wheel. Let's see what day today is. Today is Prozac Day, and he takes see, his Prozac. And I don't think that, that this is – I don't think you can attribute that to Dan DiDio anymore since he's just the, the creative guy now. He's not like editor-in-chief. Yeah. You know, because they've got new leadership over there that they've had, what, for a year and a half, two years now. 
Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's still a muckety muck, but I don't think that he's he's over the day to day operations. He's more in the the you know creative recruiting and that kind of thing. Yeah, because you know, Dan DiDio has been there for a while, and you know, I don't remember all these issues when Infinite Crisis came out. Right. You know, I mean, they really seem to have their shit together before the new Fifty Two. Right. Well, I mean, some of these things are fine, but like not finding out that you don't have a job from y- your boss is bu- is BS. Oh no, I agree. I mean, I don't know how people work with organizations like that. I mean, I, I just I don't understand that. You know, and I'm not familiar with the, the the intricacies of DC. I only read what I've you know, I only know what I've read through you know sources like Bleeding Cool and comic book resources and stuff like that. It's just it's it's very it's very obvious that something is awry over there. Yeah, and um, you know it. it I, I get that they're trying to do this uniform DC thing. You know that, that they're trying to have this cohesive universe. And as a fan, I appreciate that. I appreciate when I pick up Superboy, and it very clearly picks up after the events of Superman. And you know the, the continuity issues are are few and far between, and they're getting better about that. Absolutely. Let, let me ask. Let me ask you a question. Like, okay, putting aside any anything you're getting because of events, who's reading a DC book that is not Jeff Johns or Batman related? Um, Aquaman. That's Jeff Johns. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm, I'm reading I'm, Wonder Woman. I am reading Wonder Woman. I'm, okay. I'm reading. Uh, 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 <laughs> Justice. <laughs> Thank Justice you. Dark. Thank you. I was just okay. suddenly the name escaped me. Um, but I'm not reading much. I mean, I'm reading, yeah. I'm reading, you know, the Bat books, and I've started reading the Superman books again. Um, yeah, Supergirl, I've been reading since, well, since the beginning. But yeah, other than that, I think you're right, Tim. Yeah, the Batman, okay, yeah, the so Superman there's, books. There's a, there's, a, there's a little bit of there's a, there's a sprinkling in there, but like compare that to all this all the stupidity that we're buying from Marvel now right now. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But I think that's honestly, you know, DC has the new 52 has been around for 16 months now. I believe by issue 16 that some of the titles that I'm reading from Marvel now I will not be reading. Um, I, I can tell some of these are going to be first arc great, next arc not so great books. Um, and so I, I do think that Marvel now is the big thing right now, and of course it's new. Everything's you know only a couple issues old, um, just like DC New 52. But I do think that marvel seems to allow their creators more freedom to tell the stories they want to tell you know even though they don't necessarily tie together i mean the events in captain america not at all match what's going on in new avengers or avengers well and i think what marvel is is really prone to i think you're right i think they do allow their creators some freedom you know for instance you know kieran gillen uh goes in there and tells a very unique kieran gillen story even though it's crossing over into other things you know i mean how much did we see him get hit by Fear Itself and, and the other crossovers? But he still managed to tell a uniquely Kieran Gillen type of story. But I think the difference between Marvel and DC in that regard is that while Marvel will let their guys go and tell their story, they'll cancel them a whole lot sooner than DC will. That's true. You know, it's so I mean, you may get a. sometimes, though, because you'll have with some of these Marvel teams the same character in like three or four teams. Yeah. And they sound different in each book. Yep. Yeah, and so, let's be honest. Marvel's just as guilty because Marvel announced a Thanos book. Yep, that was supposed to be, you know, the origin of Thanos. And now and then they canceled it, and now they announced a new Thanos origin book written by Jason Aaron, which we know Jason Aaron's kind of a big mucky muck. He's one of the architects. He's an architect for crying out loud. So I mean, it is all about you know being in that 
that group, whether it be the architects at DC, because let's be honest, there are probably only a, there are probably five writers at DC who kind of control the whole universe. You know, if if guys like Jason Aaron and you know Brian Michael Bendis and Matt Fraction are all architects of the Marvel universe, does that make guys like Dan Slott and Kieran Gillen like interns? You know, are they just schlepping coffee around? You know, migrant workers, the migrant workers, <laughs> the migrants in the work stream still bugs me after all this time. So let me, let me, let me just to, just to back up a second. If, if, so DC's editorial causes a lot better continuity issues. I see it, you know, to me, it seems like DC makes a better event book than Marvel because of that. But Agreed. it seems it sounds like their regular stories are lacking because of the tighter leash. Well, I, I let's. I gotta say, I think the best thing that's happened to the new Fifty Two are the Batman books and Scott Snyder. That said, that's all continuity carried over prior to New Fifty Two, with the exception mm. of how they handled the Robins. Yeah, right? and it's it's because, hard for me to say because like the Green Lantern stuff has all been the event since the beginning. Yeah, yeah, we haven't but seen not, could, not, Green Lantern book. But what's sad is the New 52, the Green Lantern events have not been successful. Whereas in the pre-New 52, I thought they were very successful. The New 52 Green Lantern events, this Rise of the Third Army thing, I don't think that's been successful at all. Well, and I, I think largely a part of that problem is that you were so event fatigued on Green Lantern yeah. before the New 52 yeah. ever occurred. But yeah. I would argue the best thing to come out of New 52 was Aquaman. Because if you look at Aquaman before New 52 and you look at Aquaman <clears throat> now, in who would bought an Aquaman book? In terms of character success, I would agree with you that you know nobody ever took Aquaman seriously. He wasn't a, a strong seller. But in terms of of you know footprint in the New Fifty Two, I think Batman is the clear success. But again, Batman always sells. You know, it's just yeah. a, it's just the degree of success that Batman's going to have. And Scott Snyder, I don't want to take anything away from Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, and uh, John Layman over on Detective Comics. Um, these guys are killing it. Yeah, I guess my thing is I I can't give the New 52 any credit for what was happening with Batman because essentially nothing changed. I agree. Yeah, other than the Robins. They could have still done the exact same story without having changed anything. Absolutely. That's why I say Aquaman's is the biggest success. I guess the reason I ask the question is it's like I don't read any DC books that aren't Batman right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, other than a few outliers, like we talked about Aquaman and people are, you know, are starting to get back into Superman a little bit. You know, what's been the success rate? Like, how many DC books are we really reading? Well, uh, I, I think I have, I'm reading just about everything Green Lantern, and it's all been good. Okay. I don't I don't think that it's probably fair to judge it by us because, <laughs> uh, you know, their sales have dramatically increased. And, you know, the success of the New 52 is they're bringing new people into comic shops. I mean, we've yeah. we've seen that industry ride wide, and there's been bleed over. It's helping everybody, but you know, when we first started the podcast, we were almost a hundred percent Marvel, and then we started reading DC more. And I mean, it's cyclical. You know, sometimes the stories are over here, sometimes they're over there, sometimes they're in both places. Um, you know, right now, I I would I would say I think Marvel does a better job telling a story. You know, um, I think DC is a, does a better job of controlling uh, delivery. You know, that they get that on time. I have to. I have to. From my point of view, I feel Marvel now, right now, is, right now, is is great. I feel for the year before this, 
Marvel was losing its traction with me. I what Bendis, you know, Bendis was doing on the Avengers titles was no longer interesting me. Avengers versus X Men, I disliked greatly. I hadn't liked a Marvel event in quite some time. Well, you like Spider Island. Spider Island, I mean, Spider Man being the exception yeah. to the rule, really. I mean, because that was about the only Marvel book that I was consistently enjoying for a while. Um, but I think Marvel now has redirected the ship to a, to a better place, much well, like DC's New Fifty Two. Because pre New Fifty Two, we loved a couple of titles, but let's be honest, you know, it, I think we're reading more DC books now, maybe not Tim, than we were pre New Fifty Two. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, remember when Blackest Night first came out? We were just, you know, all hot for that series, and then we it wore us out because it just went on way too damn long. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, in terms of the, the Marvel universe, you know, pre-Marvel now, I, I think it's amusing that the the stories that we were really passionate about were those written by guys who weren't the architects of the Marvel universe. Think about Journey into Mystery, uh, mm-hmm. written by Kieran Gillen. Think about, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, written by Dan Slott. Um, think about Daredevil, written by Mark Wade. Not none of these guys are quote architects, but they were the standout stories from Marvel during that period of time. Agreed, and you know, to Marvel having another event book starting next month, Age of Ultron. I'm actually looking forward to that. You know, I can't tell you. I, I, I'm looking forward to the. I, I think the series is going to be a quality series. I absolutely do. Bendis, Brian Hitch, Carlos Pacheco. I think it's going to be a well written, beautifully drawn series. I can't tell you how pissed off I am that I. I mean, we're literally three issues in on some of these books, not mm-hmm. even. I mean, uh, the, 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 the longest-running Marvel Now book has been all new X-Men because it's bi-weekly. Right. Um, but I'm already getting an event, already, you know? It's, yeah. it's very frustrating to me. I am so disappointed that it's starting now. I, I don't want another crossover right now. We haven't even got the full voice of some of these books yet. And not only that, it is what I—I I don't have the the previews in front of me, but it's like a twelve-issue series or ten issues. It's ten it's, issues. It's double shipping, though, isn't it? It is. It is double shipping, but that's still five months. And I mean, I guess five months isn't that long of a time, but it's just I—I'm—I am event fatigued, as you said. No, I get you. I—I—I I, I miss the days where we could just tell stories in our comics versus everything having to to get diverted for a uh, for an event. You know, but and, you know that, that actually brings us to this first book that we're going to talk about. I mean, I know we're not done with this subject, but it kind of helps introduce this book, Captain America number three. Yes. Totally, totally unrelated to anything that's going on in Uncanny Avengers, New Avengers, or Avengers, all three books featuring Captain America. Yeah. Um, but I think it's probably my favorite because Rick Remender is being allowed to tell a story without having to necessarily tie it all together. Yeah. No, I love that it's it's completely separate from anything. I love I, I love the epic feel of it. Uh, I'm I'm really digging you know Captain America uh, with Remender and Romita and Jansen. I mean it's just it's a it's a beautiful book and it's a story well told. Yeah, I think Klaus Jansen should always be inking John Romita Jr. I agree. I, I think there is a profound difference between you know Romita off with somebody else and Romita with Jansen because I find that when when Jansen's working with Romita, the the artwork just pops. Yeah, it, I mean they remember the Daredevil series they did oh my with God. Frank Miller. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, this is just a it's a great book and the art, especially in the flashback scenes. Yeah, is is just so well done. 
Um, so, I mean, this is the third issue with the Captain America series. Arnim Zola is uh, hunting down Steve Rogers, who has been trapped in this alternate dimension, uh, Dimension Z, for a year now, I think? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, for their time. I'm sure that there's some sort of time dilation where he'll only have been gone for five minutes when he comes back. But Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, the way because he even said something about Sharon, you know, yeah. she's so worried about me, blah, blah, blah. And all I can think is that is totally setting up for him to come back and it'd be 30 seconds after. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm, I'm not worried about that because I'm enjoying this story. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I, I love it. I, I, I love, you know, we had talked before about how it feels like the intent of this story is to show that Captain America is such a versatile character that he can be in any kind of story. And this is very much almost a post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic, you know, epic type of, you know, Mad Max type of journey with, uh, with, uh, uh, with Cap. And it's, it's a lot of fun. There are high stakes. Um, and the reveal on the last page of this issue Oh, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's just a crazy, strange book. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this before. It's not a story I've seen in Captain America ever in ever. my eyes. Yeah, ever. And I didn't read Captain – I mean, I, I read, started reading Captain America probably in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when guys like Ron Lim and John Byrne and stuff. Yeah. Ron uh, were, Garney. Ron Garney. Yeah. You know, I, I loved that stuff. But n- never – did it have this crazy kind of science fiction element to yeah. it? And uh, I love it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And I think it, even though I've never seen it before, I think it's a great take on the character. Yeah. And I think yeah. it is still a Captain America story. I think, I think that the lesson that we, that we can take from this is that you must protect your Zola. Your <laughs> Zola is important. You must protect your Zola. You taking care I, of your Zola, Paul? Uh, at least once a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Highly recommended. Uh, I, I think that this book is off the charts, weird and epic and just fantastic. I love this book. Agreed. Agreed. Now, before we move on to our next book, did you notice the ads for Nova and guardians of the galaxy in it? Oh, you read it. digitally. I read it digitally. So no, I did not. So tell uh, me about this because, you know, very interested in all of that. Well, I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about these books before guardians of the galaxy issue 0.1, from Brian Bendis and uh, Steve McNiven, mm-hmm. and Nova Number One from Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis start next month, and I am psyched for Same these here. books. Yeah, I am so psyched for these books. I cannot wait. Um, I love the characters of Guardians of the Galaxy. I love Nova. Um, I've, I've heard good things about it already. You know, from advanced reviews and stuff of Nova, they're saying it's just did, a great character. Did you hear the uh, Jeff Loeb interview with uh, John Centris over at Word Balloon? I did not. Um, he did like an hour and a half with Jeff Loeb, and you know Loeb is writing the uh, the Nova book, and who and uh, uh, Ed McGinnis is doing the artwork on it. Mm-hmm. And they talk a lot about you know because remember when we were reading the Infinite comic, and we we're like, is this Rich Rider? Who is this? And mm-hmm. you know it is a completely different character, um, and you know a lot of the a lot of the story will revolve around why it's this guy versus Rich Rider. Uh, the Nova that we've all known. Uh, I'm excited about it. You know, it yeah. sounds like they've got a really good take on it. Kind of reminds me of, of, uh, of you know, kind of a Peter Parker kind of character. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about it. It's going to be good stuff. Yeah. Okay, you know, I, and- I have never read a modern Guardians of the Galaxy book. The only ones I've read were the far future ones where I don't even remember much about it other than it was Star Hawk and Nikki and. 
yeah, and someone who yeah. someone who had Captain America's shield but wasn't yeah. Captain America. So sell me on this. I know nothing about the Guardians of the Galaxy in modern day. What is so special about them that you guys love them so much and that Marvel decided to make a movie about these characters that anyone outside of comics doesn't even know? Well, I'm going to cut issues. Aaron off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to cut Aaron off here because I know Aaron has – Aaron will refute this point. I can't – even the, as much as I enjoyed it, I can't possibly recommend the Dan Abnett and Andy Lane and Guardians of the Galaxy book because it is so – it, it is a huge commitment. You're committing yourself not just to Guardians of the Galaxy, but to all the Annihilation books um, and all the various Gal- you know Marvel Galactic books for those for that time frame. And they all tied together rather closely. And trying to read Guardians of the Galaxy on its own is going to be difficult. Um, so I'd recommend picking it up in its new incarnation. That being said, I think the characters of Guardians of the Galaxy are probably my favorite space-based characters in all of comic books. Um, Rocket Raccoon, Star Lord, Gamora, um, Drax—they're—they're they're varied. They're different. Um, It—you it, get some great sci-fi fantasy adventure in space. It's just not something you see very often in comics. You see superheroes in space, or you see straight space stories, and this is kind of a mixture of both. Paul, yeah. somewhere in a corner, Kilowog is crying right now. I hope you're happy <laughs> with yourself. Uh, Kilowog. Can... <laughs> so, Aaron. Well, let me start by saying, fuck you, Paula Ponte. <laughs> it's a good way to start. Fuck you and your ass. Okay. Um, that, that's just my, my, my preamble. Um, that's it has nothing to do with what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that said, Paul's right. Uh, you know, diving into the, uh, the uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Landing run of Guardians of the Galaxy is a huge commitment uh, because of all the different, you know, uh, events that they were in. Now, it's fantastic reading from beginning to end. I love Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, uh, War of Kings, Reign of Kings. I mean, it's all fantastic reading. The thing that I love about it is that they were able to tell their space opera stories free from the rest of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it was its own separate thing. You could have read uh, all of those Guardian stories and related stories without having to get into the X-Men or the Avengers and stuff. In fact, there were times where you're like, wow, this seems like a really different continuity than the rest of the Marvel Universe. But you know, they, if you read other books, it would kind of explain what was going on with you know this villain, why he was out there, that kind of thing. So it does make sense, but there, there's a period there where you're like, wow, this is just wildly different. Um, things that I really enjoyed about those characters is beyond the fact that these were truly science fiction type characters rather than superhero characters in space. Um, there was a, a sense of whimsy about the books. You know, there was, you know, this great sense of humor between the characters uh, and the characters were truly unique. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, I, I wax on about uh, Rocket Raccoon. But, you know, he was a very deep character, and I love the relationship that he had with Groot, the talking tree, and I love the relationship, you know, the 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 competitiveness between Rocket Raccoon and Star-Lord, you know, Star-Lord who, who was the de facto leader of the team, and, you know, sometimes the, the thing was is that maybe Rocket Raccoon was a better strategist than Peter Quill, the Star-Lord. Um, <clears throat> I think it's a fantastic book. But that said, it'll be nice to have a clean start for folks under under Bendis. Yeah, I plan on picking up the point one because for some reason there's something about that preview, just the just the cover image 
that looks really interesting without telling you anything at all about the book. I think Marvel's trying to uh, – I think Marvel is hoping to have a modern-day Star Wars on their hands with Guardians of the Galaxy and written correctly yep. with the right actors and the right director. I think they have no problem accomplishing that. Well, and I think that the – you know. Wayne was asking, you know, sell me on this. Why these characters? Why why this property for the movie? And you know, the reason why I love the characters is completely different from the reason why they chose them for the movie. Yeah, I, the, I keep having who are these characters? Why is Marvel doing this movie? I think I think this the, seems stupid. I think that the reason that you're asking that question, you know, who are these characters? I think the fact that you're asking that question is the whole reason why Marvel chose these characters. There's no preconceptions for the audience going in. So, you know, true, they've got to do their job selling it to get people in, but no one's going to come in going, well, that's not the rocket raccoon I was expecting, except perhaps me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's hope they don't hire the John Carter marketing team. Oh, Jesus. Uh, didn't no, we, didn't we put a moratorium on those? Yeah, a personal foul. Yeah. You did, but I never agreed to that. That's, that's, that was actually a unilateral decision. That is two demerits for you. So, uh, if you'll put, uh, Paul, if you could write Wayne's name on the board and put a check mark next to it. Yeah, I will do that. Um, I, I do have to say, I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy, a movie, not necessarily a comic, I think a movie is an easier sell than a Superman movie. Mm-hmm. Or easier than a Captain America movie. Because, like Aaron said, there are no preconceived notions. People watch that, you know, people watch that Superman trailer and they're like, and they actually got pissed. Yeah. Some of the things in the Superman trailer, because the, that's not Superman and that's not Pa Kent. You know, you watch a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer and you're like, who the fuck are these characters? Yeah. Oh, wait, that movie looks cool. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'll, you know, all you're doing is selling space opera. You're not selling – you're not having to push past somebody else's notion of what your movie is going to be. You know, I, I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy – I know I've said this before. I've said this a half dozen times. Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be huge for Marvel. I, just hope doing it. It. I think they're doing it because they put Thanos at the end of Avengers. That's the well, and, that, and that doesn't hurt, you know, the fact that there is a link to the most successful movie of you know recent memory. Um, I, 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 that doesn't hurt them. Now, the, their choice of director. Eh. You know what? I Marvel has done such a good job with their their film projects. I'm going to cut them some slack. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like James Gunn. I mean, I do. I, I loved Slither. Um, I think he he has written some good films. I, I believe he was a writer on the the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead movie, mm-hmm. um, which but I liked. he's just a uh, he's 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 very quirky, <laughs> um, James Gunn. But and I, I think that's a good. I, I mean, I see him as like Guardians. Well, I get that, but I see him a trauma quirky because that's where he came from. I mean, right. he directed Tromeo and Juliet, and he you know he was he was all about trauma. And I don't know if that's the right fit for Guardians of the Galaxy, but, you know, I mean, Marvel seems to have control over their movie properties for a consistent feel and uh, and look. So I, I, maybe maybe yeah. it'll turn it around. When you when you look at, you know, who all is in the room from Marvel and from Marvel Studios, I, I have faith that this is going to be a good thing. Yeah. I really do. I have faith that this is going to be a good thing. I can't wait. I'm, a, I'm just just so excited about this film. So, Aaron. Sir. Last month we talked about uh, New Avengers number one. Yes, and I think did neither of us like it, or were we both lukewarm to it? I think we have another issue. I think that we were uh, uh, both uh, uh, lukewarm. Yeah. So New Avengers number two came out this month. Um, Jason Hickman, 
Not Jason Hickman. <laughs> Jonathan Hickman. Jonathan Hickman. With Steve Epting. With Steve Epting. Um, features the, the members of the Illuminati gathering together. Um, now, it's funny because even though they show Beast on the cover, uh, I guess as Professor X's replacement, he's not actually in the book. Where do you see Beast on the cover? That bottom right hand, the big blue hand. Huh. Okay. <laughs> he's on the cover of the first issue, too, I think. Hmm. Okay. Um, so I believe he's going to take over Professor X's spot. Gotcha. On the Illuminati. So, um, New Avengers number one, or New Avengers number two came out this week. Uh, Aaron, what'd you think of it? I mean, it's, uh, after our, our first issue opinion. I loved it pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I loved this book pretty damn hard. Uh, the, the scenes between Namor and Black Panther. I mean, we're just so tense and you can, you know, because, you know, let's let's remember it wasn't too long ago that Namor was possessed by the Phoenix Force and, uh, you know, drowned most of Wakanda. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Black Panther needs to work with him at the moment. But, you know, makes it pretty clear when we're done, I'm going to gut you like a fish. (laughs) 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 I I just love those scenes. Mm -hmm. Um now, Paul, I, there is a, a panel in this book uh, that I I read it and I was like, huh, somewhere Paul is you know popping a chubby right now, and that is when uh, you know Tony Stark says, "So we're agreed, we will reassemble the Infinity Gauntlet." Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you know, is I mean, did it, it pop it, in the chin, Paul? It did. It, 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 it was. Yeah. Well, well, you know, once Captain America whips out his Infinity Gem, I'm like, yes. Um, which is it's a little confusing that the the five smartest men in the marvel universe considering how bad it goes every time the infinity gauntlet gets assembled have decided to reassemble the infinity gauntlet um but you know i i loved this book i loved the character interactions and one of my favorite aspects of the book is that you will read the book it'll take you probably a good 20 minutes to get through this book because it is so wordy yeah well and and, And then you'll have to reread it to understand it and appropriately so i mean you know jonathan hickman's got those uh those neat little diagrams Mm -hmm. in the book you know that he you know very graphic uh uh orientation demonstrating how uh the universe is aligned love that shit that hickman does oh i know yeah basically you know mr fantastic has a powerpoint presentation as to how the multiverse works yeah (laughs) and it's it's great it's so fascinating i I gotta tell you if if what marvel really ought to do is release that powerpoint presentation as ppt yeah, no, they really I just put it up there. Here, download this. Teach it in your physics class. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, I had one. So there's a panel where Doctor Strange says, "I possess the all-seeing eye of Agamotto." Uh huh. And he has like a third eye on his forehead. Right. Panel freaks me out a little bit. Well, he's Doctor Strange. He should freak you out a little bit. Yeah, but I thought the all-seeing eye of Agamotto was like on the top of his staff. Well, like not in his no, forehead. It's on his amulet because it's the amulet of Agamotto. Oh, okay. And then when get he... your head out of your ass, Paul. Exactly. <laughs> Shut. <laughs> this is the six one six, Paul. Tune in. Um, and so when he activates it, it goes up to his forehead. Yeah, ah. I heard a lot of old Doctor Strange stuff, and that's pretty common that the eye kind of floats out of the amulet and embeds itself in his forehead yeah it's just a freaky panel i love there's so much going on in the book and and and, you know i i have to say i i have kind of a geek on for uh the illuminati stories that marvel does because i just love these guys just sitting around talking about how we're gonna you know fix the world um 
but Black Bolt, you know, just, you know, he, of course, you know, has that power where if he speaks, you know, things blow up and he just, you know, barely whispers just, I mean, just a little, just a little, just a little nothing, you know, just kind of mumbles and it just, you know, cracks the table, you know, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. yeah goes, and everyone just, just kind of stares at the table. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, this book was fantastic. I'm I'm really digging it. Um, yeah, absolutely, and I love that you know, the Illuminati. You know, basically, Captain America found the mountain and said, "Look, assholes. Yeah, I know what you've been doing. I'm taking over this job." And basically, at the end of the issue, they're like, "We know Captain America thinks he's in charge, <laughs> <laughs> so let's let him do what he wants to do, and let's make our actual plans." Um, I, I think that's great. Yeah, uh, you know, because these guys, regardless of Captain America's intentions, he's nowhere on the level of intelligence that these guys are. Even Doctor Strange. I well, mean, the guy was an actual doctor, you know. Well, and I, and I love, you know, Tony Stark says, you know, if this is the end of everything, then perhaps it's best for everything to remain on the table while we search for an answer. And he's really kind of talking about, you know, there may be a necessary evil here. And Captain America stands up and says, Tony, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I love it. I mean, he just, you know, what the, we are not doing, I'm not going to hear about any necessary evils. I mean, he's just all, the, the glass is half full. We're going to fix this. It's not going to be a problem. And that's when, uh, you know, Black Panther and Reed Richards get together and say, yeah, you know, I, I kind of – it's all nice and well and good what Captain America said, but you and I are going to have to make some hard decisions. Yeah. And uh, I think that's great. Yeah. I love Miss, I love that Jonathan Hickman is still writing Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, here's my only complaint about this book. In what way is this an Avengers book? None. Yeah. And that's – I don't know why they don't just call this the Illuminati. Well, because you put the Avengers symbol on the cover and people will buy it more. It's for uh, the same reason that Avengers Arena has nothing to do with Avengers. They put the Avengers name, people will buy. Yeah. I think they should have called it Avengers the Illuminati. Yeah, I agree. Uh, new Avengers. Yeah, because the fact that they call them New Avengers is totally unnecessary. I mean, they're they're not new. No. Well, and they're not. I mean, there's only what two guys at the table who are Avengers. Yeah. And two of them are, you know, like founding or three of them are founding members of the Avengers. So they're not new Avengers at all. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, I, I don't know why they chose the name New Avengers. It, it seems like Bendis, when he created New Avengers, they were the new Avengers. And even the Luke Cage, the second volume, they were kind of like the urban Avengers, you know. Right. But now it's like. These, yeah, I, don't, I agree with you. The title of the book doesn't necessarily fit with the book. Yeah, it's the but, same reason that they called the new Archies the new Archies, even though it was the same assholes from Riverdale, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Avengers big win, loved it. So this week I picked up Frank Cho's Savage Wolverine number one, right, written and drawn. Uh, and inked, I guess. Uh, writer and artist Frank Cho has put together a Wolverine story set in the Savage Worlds. They're calling it an ongoing series. It doesn't feel like one. Um, but uh, I, I, I gave the digital code to Aaron so that I wasn't reading it alone. <laughs> um, but I think, Wayne, you said you read it also, didn't you? Yes, I did. So uh, you haven't spoken in a little while. What did you think of Savage Wolverine number one? You know, I was surprised by how much I liked this book. I haven't read a Wolverine book in who knows how long at this point, but this was enjoyable. I mean, I don't have, I have no idea what the book's going to eventually be about other than Wolverine, but I got a huge kick out of the art in this book. Shanna as a character, I haven't read much with her, 
but she was fascinating. The uh, the fight scenes were all great. That he's underestimating her fighting ability is great. I really had no complaints about it, and the art was spectacular. So I I have to disagree with you. What? <laughs> I did not like this book. Really? What didn't you like about it? The writing. I thought the writing was pretty bad. Really? <laughs> yeah, I loved the art, but the writing, I just... I felt like, and maybe it's the dialogue more than the story that I have an issue with, but Wolverine did not sound like Wolverine to me. You know, when he wakes, I mean, he says cripes twice in this book, and I just, that that, that just doesn't sound like Wolverine to me. And I'm not focusing just on that one word. It just, it doesn't feel like Wolverine to me. The only dialogue issue I had in here, it wasn't even something said out loud, but he's, you know, it's in the little square comment box. It's what he's thinking. He says, uh, Mama Logan didn't raise no fool. Yeah, exactly. Mama Logan didn't raise you at all, asshole. <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, you're not Logan. I mean, you are. He did take the name Logan, but that wasn't his name. He wasn't raised by no Mama Logan. That was the I did have that issue when I was reading through. It's like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I but mean, other I, than that, I I enjoyed the dialogue. I really enjoyed the interplay between Wolverine and Shanna. I just I question the wisdom of anybody who is who decides to go explore an island with a mountain shaped like Cthulhu. <laughs> I mean, I, that, I I think you you roll up on that. And you go, you know what? I don't need to know about this island. <laughs> you know, my travel, my travel some, agent sucks. <laughs> if I've got a knockout blonde dressed like she is sitting next to me as the guide. I might be willing to go explore Cthulhu Island. So I have a question about Shanna, actually, since we're talking about Shanna. Yeah, she's yummy, by the way. Well, yeah, uh, agreed. That being said, does she – what is her origin? Is she, like, you know, from the mainland and yeah, she came to the Savage Land? Yeah, she is uh, – God, it's been a while since I – Kazar. Yeah, she, but it's been a while since I read those stories because it used to have – what was it? Uh, Kazar and Shanna the She-Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, – as I recall, she was a, you know, a civilized, you know, fr- from, you know, modern civilization, yada, yada, came to the Savage Land and, you know, became who she is. But it's been a long time since I've read one of those okay, stories. Well, that, that makes sense, because when I got to her dialogue, because I, I, I expected her to talk more like Kazar. I, I mean, yeah. I'm not familiar with the character. So when she's just talking casually, you know, something about black, black magic or something, she says on the very first page. Yeah. I'm like, huh. Okay, I'm guessing that her origin is different than the one I understood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, looking through, uh, just kind of glancing through her Wikipedia article, she is a she went to college. She's a veterinarian. She's an Olympic athlete. All of that before she ended up going to the Savage Land. Okay, so Frank Cho got Shanna right, but in my mind, he got Wolverine wrong. You know, I, <clears throat> it's funny. I, I enjoyed the book. I really enjoyed the scenes where uh, Wolverine's fighting the Raptor. Oh yes, and it's be- just a beautiful page. But I have always have a hard time with feeling like Wolverine is threatened, you know, because he's got the healing factor, and you know we've seen that he can heal any wound. <laughs> and so it seems a little strange to me that he's you know killing all these guys when he's not really threatened, you know. Yeah, that yeah. Just- especially since they go out of their way. I mean, I know he in Uncanny X Force he kills people. Yeah, but in other books. He doesn't really kill people. Yeah. And, you know, here he is. He He's essentially a, a an unwelcome visitor to somebody else's territory. 
and these guys are responding, you know, because they're warriors, this is their, their territory, it would have been just as easy for him to leave, you know, to have to have fled these guys. He didn't have to kill these guys. But yet, you know, he showed no compunction to cutting off people's arms, cutting off their heads. And let me tell you, I love the dialogue, you know, as he is, uh, you know, slicing off the guy's arm. He says, first I disarm him. And then the next scene, he decapitates him. Then I take a little off the top. I was very amused by all of that. But it does get you back. It regresses the Wolverine character uh, as to someone who who kills cavalierly. Um, and it's we hard for me to say what the Wolverine character is supposed to be because he's so different in so many different books. Yeah, I mean the Wolverine Max book. I expect this kind of thing's happening all the time. Well, but you know, with what we've seen in like Wolverine and the X Men and the 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 latest versions and certainly you know there's still that berserker still within him i mean we see that he's willing to kill cyclops you know given the opportunity he will he will kill cyclops but we don't see him as you know killing so 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 freely and that's that, i think that's what bothered me about the book but you know we don't have an explanation as to how he got on the island or why he got on the island right i mean he just fell out of the sky so that there's still that to be answered Perhaps this is a Wolverine from another time. You know, what I really got out of this is that I would love to see Frank Cho do a Shannon book. Oh, yeah, I've no doubt. I was was sold when I flipped the panel and see that her first interaction with Wolverine is to stab him through with a spear. Uh It's like that is an awesome page. And as you keep reading more of her dialogue, she's an interesting character. You know, the... the, uh, they used to have an ongoing series, both in the pages of Marvel Fanfare in the de- back in the day, and then Kazar had his own book, and those books are fantastic, and they hold up. So, you know, if you can get your hands on some of those uh, 80s, 90s books, really very good. So, I, I, I think, Aaron, you put your finger right on my issue with the book. Yeah. And it is the Marvel Now tag. Yeah. If this is you know if it was a mini series if it was just Frank Cho Savage Wolverine you know and it was non continuity and you know I didn't have to worry about it being a Marvel Now book I'd have much less issue with it because you know people write Wolverine differently sure but the fact that this is and and there's no mention of the school there's no you know I mean it, it is totally it feels like it's outside of continuity right. And I think that may be my issues with the book because it doesn't feel like the Wolverine. Again, I do read Wolverine and the X Men. I do read the Wolverine that's in the other books, and and that ish and that that scene where he basically cold bloodedly murders these people. Yeah, does not feel like the Wolverine that yeah. he has become. Recently. I agree, completely agree. So I also want to complain about the uh, Marvel AR readers. I still I love the concept of this thing, but that reader app is horrible. You know, you you spend three, four minutes just trying to get it to actually recognize the panel to show you anything. I didn't, I haven't used it yet. I downloaded it cause I was curious because all the, all my Marvel books that came with digital copies, I bought this week at, uh, on, in the store. So I, I will investigate it and uh, I will get back next week with my findings on the AR thing. Yeah. I just have a hard time getting it to actually read it to, to bring it up. And I, mean, I, I will be excited when they integrate that into the uh, digital copy. Yeah. You know, even uh, here's the thing, not and I don't mean just in the Marvel app. I mean, in the comicsology app, too. And it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to me. You know, you know, editor, there's so much there not to get on the digital uh, note, digital comics conversation. But, you know, if you have editor's notes that refer to different issues, you can click the link and buy the issue. So many opportunities. Yeah. 
No, I agree. So, well, since we're talking about Wolverine, he was in another book this week. No. He was in at least one other book this week. That would week. be too much. No, he couldn't have been in another book. Yeah, you know, And I have to say, since also we're talking about the AR reader, All New X-Men is probably the book that I've enjoyed the AR things the most on. Because very frequently you'll see stuff going back to the original run to see where things placed. Like back in the first issue, it starts off with the uh, this whole scene with the original X-Men. And when you use the AR reader over it, you see the original scene that happened back in one of the early X-Men books. Yeah. But again, it's just so hard to get the AR reader to actually read the page to show you the stuff. You know what we didn't talk about? Or maybe we did talk about it. Did we talk about Beast's new look? No. No, we did not. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it either. Well, you didn't like Cat Beast either. That's very true. I hated Cat Beast. Yeah, but now he looks sort of like Blue Hulk. Exactly. Hulk. <laughs> well, there was. Yeah, what, what was that? The, it wasn't Abomination. It was something else. A-bomb. A-bomb. Oh, no, I don't like acknowledge A-bomb. that. I read He's, that. I don't acknowledge it. He looks like A-bomb with hair. Yeah, he kind of does. Now, granted, we only saw, like, maybe a page of it, so maybe it'll clean itself up a little bit after Stuart goes to the drawing board. Okay, what does he really look like here? <laughs> after, go, after he gets a haircut. Stop yeah. messing with Beast's look. He was fine for all of these years until suddenly they start wanting to re, you know, redesign him. See, the funny thing is, though, in the last issue, when they showed like the Beast I liked, like 1980s Beast, uh-huh. yeah. like, he looks fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what I want anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like, whatevs. All new X-Men number six. Starts with uh, Jean Grey having a uh, little dream with, uh, you know, Cyclops and Magneto coming to rescue her. And then, you know, leaping through the window with, you know, fire and rage is Wolverine. And I find it interesting that it's naked Wolverine. You know, she's dreaming about naked Wolverine coming to get her, to kill her, to slice her right in the neck. Hey, what's scarier than Wolverine? Naked Wolverine. Naked Wolverine. If you're going to have a nightmare, Wolverine's going to be naked. So uh, it it features my favorite panel in this book, the the, the page where Naked Wolverine come, comes leaping through the window, um, the Phoenix Force erupting from her eye. I think that is a badass panel. I just I, I love I love how they drew it and how they colored it. Uh, there's so much light in that uh, in that image. Oh, that was awfully damn cool. And then of course she wakes up. Yeah, no, I just I hope like, they're not setting up for another Phoenix story. I, I don't mean, think they that, are. No. Give me five years before you do Phoenix again, please. Ten. But no, I think what the, I, I think that brings up the whole the, the David Marquez is is a really good one two punch with Stuart Amonin. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he he he's different enough so that you know you're not reading a Stuart Amonin book, but the right. art is very well done. He's yeah, not right. it's not like they switch between him and Chris Boccolo or right. something, you know, where the art styles were so Ugh. different. Yeah. Now, I will say, I'm looking forward to Uncanny X-Men, though, and the way it ties in with this book. And that's a Chris Boccolo book. See, I can't look forward to it because it doesn't come out anywhere near on time. Oh, no, wait a minute. That was Uncanny Avengers. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So when I hear Uncanny, I immediately have this reaction now because Uncanny Avengers has been so late. I don't – like, I'm getting the, the decompressed storytelling a little bit on this. 
Is anybody else getting that vibe? Yeah, but it, I mind it less because it's bi-weekly. Uh, and I don't mind it because it's really, really good. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, I can't pick a favorite moment. Like, Aaron, I like that moment with Jean Grey. Yeah. But I really like the angel hugging angel moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Angel on angel action. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with Angel's personality there. But there was a nice AR reader, which is the only one in the entire book, that gives you a rundown on Angel and his, his whole history. What uh, I from really, the Dark Angel saga? Yeah. And what I really enjoyed was seeing the Wolverine and Cyclops interactions mm-hmm. because it reminded me of the 90s where basically Wolverine's the one being a dick again. Right. And Cyclops is dealing with him. And it just has this good old school feel to it. Ah, that part that part kind of hurt my brain. Wolverine's nope. like a little like an ass. It's like, get on the bike, you goddamn jerk. And he's like, hey, man, I'm sorry you're dealing with stuff. What? <laughs> that was a little weird. <laughs> I just love the, no, seriously, why are your wings made of metal? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I loved everything with Angel in it. He's, he's like, oh, look, it. Scott's worried about Scott again. Fantastic. <laughs> the one place I wish there was a uh, an AR reader, though, was when the, the ground burped. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I know what that is because someone has already had told me, but if I had just picked up this book, I would have no idea why the ground burped. I would love to have the AR reader to tell me, because I still don't know how the island came to be the ground there. Yeah, Warren doesn't get an AR reader. He doesn't get to know. Why should you, Wayne? Why is all the water in bottles? Because it's bottled water. Why is the water bottled now, as opposed to when? Did something happen to the water? <laughs> oh, my favorite Cyclops line was the uh, unbreakable bones. <laughs> I did, there's just something about that that really yeah. calls back to the old Cyclops Wolverine rivalry that I used to enjoy, the him blasting him with the optic blast. Oh, I, I, loved I, how, I loved, I loved how he stole Wolverine's bike. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> but except for the fact that Cyclops, in theory, what? is supposed to be twelve. Well, and, isn't and we, he? Well, not twelve, but he's certainly a teenager. Well, she yeah. says he look twelve. I mean, how old yeah. are they supposed to be? I think they're they like were, sixteen, seventeen. And so they were making that comment, but Cyclops was the oldest, right? Now, but didn't uh, in the first X Men movie didn't Logan steal Cyclops's motorcycle? Yes, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's a great book. It really is. I think all new X Men is consistently a good book. I'm glad because I'd never heard of this David Marquez guy. And that's not to say he's not popular somewhere outside of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> he, I just don't know who he is. But I, I'm glad they went with him as the second artist on the book. No, no, it's it's awfully damn good. Yeah. And like I, I said, I mean, collected, it's not going to jump out at you as like, oh, we switched artists. They yeah. they do they do sync up really well together. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. My, Absolutely. My, my favorite book coming out right now. Really, all new X Men. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, after the fir- I, I really like the first storyline. Now that that's over and they're moving forward, it's just as good. Yeah. So speaking of good things, well, hopefully continuing on the concept of good things, Batman number 16 came out this week. Actually, a couple of number 16s, Batman, Batman and Robin, and Batgirl. Um, the Death of the Family tie-in issues this week. Um, so let's go ahead and start with Batman number 16, the, the, the main storyline, which features Batman's assault on Arkham and his confrontation with the Joker, as well as a, a ton of, of horse abuse. Uh, yeah, this yeah, book is they, really hard on horses. Poor <laughs> flaming horse. I, well, I and frozen solid, 
frozen solid and crushed ice horse. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the frozen solid horse was the worst one, I thought, when <laughs> Freeze crushes him and then bashes his head. Yeah, no, it's just, oh my god. <laughs> when I saw the flaming horse at the beginning, I'm like, okay, I'm officially creeped out. <laughs> <laughs> this book was creepy as hell. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, I think it was, I love the, um, I love everything that Joker did in the Asylum. It really is just a, a creepy book. Like with their, where the people were like, "Oh no, my favorite scene!" And it took me a second to figure out what it was. Um, and maybe it was a little more obvious in the digital copy. I read it on paper. The tapestry, yes, made out of human bodies. Yeah, that uh, you know, he says you know that uh. I thought dead would be better, but he put tubes in the stomach so the people were alive and sewn together and then painted on. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I, I that that took me by surprise for a Batman book. Yeah, especially since they're naked. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty damn creepy. Yeah, pretty damn dark for a, for a an, a Batman book that you know any kid can pick up off the shelf. <laughs> I say I love the uh, Excalibur chainsaw hooked up to a battery. Yes. So I have a question for you guys. Sir. On the tapestry. So Joker paints some scenes, right? Right. Uh, and there's the laughing fish. And then there's, you know, basically him kicking Batman from one of their early adventures. And then, of course, death in the family where right. Robin dies. Last image of. Yeah, I don't know what that – with uh, uh, him walking off with a baby. Yeah, Joker holding a baby. I don't know what that is. That might be the – isn't that the Jason Todd thing? That's what I was wondering if it was referencing what they did with Jason Todd. Yeah, but isn't the death of Jason Todd referencing it next – I don't know. I thought that – maybe I just don't know. I mean, like the, the one, new Jason Todd origin. Yeah, he's the one that Joker calls son, so that's I'm like, well, maybe. Yeah, no, you could be right. Yeah, it was. I just thought that was a very interesting panel. I'm like, is that foreshadowing or is that referencing something that I should know? Don't know. I don't know, but I, I, what did you guys think of the issue? I mean, you know, they this one had basically had almost all of Batman's rogues gallery in it. Well, I mean, he certainly stomped the shit out of the people up the stairs, like ridiculously stomped the crap out of them. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, normally this is a two-issue fight, but I'm not screwing around Freeze, and he's just down, Clayface down. I'm like, really? <laughs> I, I really enjoyed uh, the uh, Justice League <laughs> characters that they, you know, the the people he had dressed up as the Justice League, you mm-hmm. know, Fat Wonder Woman, and then you know, sullen Hal Jordan, the very short Superman. <laughs> I I number I, I number one I just as we said, book was creepy as all get out, uh, but I thought it was really very good. Um, the we we just keep ramping up to to the dread that's in this book. Um, I'm real curious to see how things wind up, but yeah, I'm I'm digging it. I, Greg Capullo is is knocking these pages out. Um, Scott Snyder is surprising me on almost every page. Um, I, I I think it's fantastic. I think we I think we can say we are not going to get our our definitive Nightwing Joker storyline. Well, you know, I don't know. I, so that's one thing I was going to say about the Batman book. As I love Death of the Family, and I think what is is this the fourth issue or the the fifth issue? Got me. Who's counting? I think, I think it started yeah. with Let's go number four. 13, 13. Yeah, I think this is issue four of the story, and it's been. I think issue seventeen is the finale, right? Or is it issue eighteen? Got me. 
you guys are useless. It should should be 17 because all of the other books said to be concluded in Batman 17. Yeah, it looks like it's 17. It's been just nothing but build-up. I feel it's been a ton of build-up, so I'm really curious to see how they're going to wrap it all up in issue 17. And it all builds up to what's on the platter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you've got that little silver-domed platter. What's in there, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there's only one person, because if you look at Batman 16, you see um, everyone in the Batman family. You see Nightwing, you see Batgirl, you see Jason Todd and Dick Grayson, or or Jason Todd and um, Tim Drake Uh and Damian Wayne. You see them. And I don't think that could be from a previous time. But the only person you don't see is Alfred. Yeah. yeah. I, I have bad feelings about that. I, I have a bad feeling Alfred's head is on that platter. That's or eyes or, you know. I think his face. Could be. <gasps> nice, Paul. Yeah, and because it's something that the other villains reacted to as well. Yeah. Well, and, and we, we knew that Alfred was alive at one point because, we, you know, we've heard the recording, you know, of yeah. him, of him, you know, getting his eyes messed with. But, yeah, 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 it's not going to be good. It's going to be a total seven moment. What's it's in the good. box? It's going to be really good. Because <laughs> yeah, every Bat book this week ended with that platter. Yeah, because, you know, that, that was one thing that I was reading in an interview. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Dan Slott, after Amazing Spider-Man 700, disappeared from the internet. Right. Until after Superior Spider-Man number one came out, and people realized, oh, wait, it's okay. I don't need to threaten Dan Slott. I don't life. need to threaten to kill him anymore. <laughs> so Dan Slott gave Scott Snyder the advice after reading an early copy of Batman 17, or an early script, or whatever, the script for Batman 17, basically gave the same advice to scott snyder yeah get the fuck out of town <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you, you may want to go dark after issue 17 <laughs> so i'm i'm very curious to see how this is going to wrap up wow so but the, you're right the, so all three there were other tie-in books this week batman and robin number 16 and batgirl number 16 um so batgirl number 16 aaron wayne you guys read this one uh this yep what did you think of it? I love it. Same here. I, I love it, but you know, you just can't j- trust James Jr. He will fuck you at every turn. Yeah. Did you read the Black Mirror yet? Yes. All of it? I think so. I think okay. so. Yeah. I think I finished it. Um, what you think? I liked it. I liked it. Um, I again, you just can't trust Jimmy. Yeah, I loved him in this book. I don't. I know next to nothing about the character other than I know he's an evil son of uh, James Gordon, but. It's, him showing up with grenades in his hand it's just the character is very fascinating selling his sister up the uh up the river threatening to kill her just to save his own mother i want to know more about the character yep well i recommend reading the black mirror there's tons in that tons of great scenes with james jr in that um but so batgirl number 16 it, i guess it wraps up in that it leaves it open it, it, it that one said ends in batman number 17 also doesn't it yep and it ends with the silver platter. To be scene. concluded in Batman number 17. <sighs> and of course, Batman and Robin number 16 came out, also with the same ending, except this one from Damian Wayne's point of view. Yeah, I, I hate that last page on this one. The <sighs> Joker doesn't look right on the Batman and Robin one. Like, compared to. Yeah, on the very last, where he's holding the platter, his face doesn't look like the Joker we've seen in all the other books. 
Oh, but it, it looks does. so creepy. It does look so creepy. Uh, yeah. It's so good. I know I'm probably going to be the only one, but I hated this issue. I love this issue. Oh, so goddamn good. Yeah, the fight, the fight was pointless. I knew from the beginning it wasn't going to be Bruce. The fact that Robin thought it was Bruce bothers me because he should know better just by fighting style. But he's been, but he's been drugged, and I think yeah. that, that affected That's, his perception. Yeah. Even still, I didn't enjoy the interactions in the book. I I really I, I didn't like I, anything about the book. I loved that it showed the depth of feeling that Damien's got for Bruce. I loved that you know he's like you know I would rather you killed me than I killed you. You know I mean I just I I, I dug it. I, I so many so much you know you get to see of Damien is just him being petulant, and I love that you're getting to actually see the depth of the character. Love yeah, it. I, I love that, you know, because it's right after he basically <laughs> throws thousands of punches. I, I love the, those panels where he's just – it's just nothing but fists. Just wailing right. on him. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, you know what? Just kill me. Yeah. You know, he's, it's, all, it's all right, father. And, you know, he's crying. And I just – I love that. That that scene, it's a, it's a great Damien scene, and you know Wayne as a non-Damien fan, I could see why the book didn't resonate with you. But yeah. as the a Damien fan, thing, I thought it was great. Yeah. The only thing I really enjoyed in the book was when Damien stabs Joker with that, uh, you know, the the screwdriver. Yeah. And then Joker makes the mustache out of blood on him. I got a oh, kick out of that panel. And when he sings him a lullaby, oh my god, that was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really loved this book. I'm sorry. It's it's just as creepy as bad as Batman has been, and yeah. I and I think you know I think that plays well into it. And yes, we knew that wasn't Batman, but I, I think I think that's why Paul had it. Paul nailed it. He's he's been jo- he's been gassed. You know, otherwise he would have known. Yeah. Now I do think Tim, what you said earlier about Nightwing not getting his ultimate Joker story. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's only one more issue left. I think. You know, I think it'll wrap up just the same as the others. But I, I, I'm hoping that they have a pretty stellar confrontation because everyone that has first had this. Nightwing issue was incredible. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, this has just been a really, you know, we talked I think last week about how the Joker's basically been all over Gotham in one night. Yeah. Um. You know. So the, I mean, that aside, I, I really enjoyed this one, this crossover, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I, they, in. You guys didn't read. A, this in paper or i I know aaron didn't um but they have an ad for the night of the owls hardcover graphic novel collection and it it collects all the crossover not i mean you know batman has its own crossover but the actual um tie-ins are all collected in one hardcover graphic novel that sounds good so you know i'm looking forward to that and i'm hoping they collect death of the family the same way even though night of the owls was only one issue but you know, I, I would like to see something similar with Death of the Family. And Death of the Family crossed over into less issues, less titles, I think. So, right. well, yeah. I I ordered, uh, uh, oh gosh, um, the Spider Island collections mm-hmm. from uh, Amazon this week. So I'm getting the uh, the hardcover Spider Islands, the Spider Man Spider Island books, and then there's the uh, Spider Man Big Time Ultimate collection, which yeah. Uh, both of those are coming this week. Very excited about those. Yeah, I think I'm going to get the Spider Island collection. I've been wanting that one for a little while, so yeah. I might pick that one up. I, I like when crossovers are collected that way. Yeah, because I know that one includes more than just the Amazing Spider-Man issues. Right. No, no, they're they're, they're both gigantic books. I'm, I can't wait, can't wait to get them. So, speaking of crossovers, Aaron. Yes, sir. 
we are reading Hell on Earth. And I think Wayne is too, but you haven't gotten to Superboy yet this week, have you? Right. So Superboy number 16 came out this week featuring the assault on the Fortress of Solitude by uh, the Justice League and Superboy. And Batman in his uh, frilly white bat suit. <laughs> well, it's his Arctic suit. <laughs> I thought it was actually kind of cool. But um, so what'd you think? I, you know, I really liked it. Um, I don't want that, that hesitance to sound like I, I didn't like it. But I, I, I think I'm figuring out why I'm liking this story when I've not liked other Superman-related uh, New 52 stories. It actually feels like Superman's been around for a while. Yeah. And I think I mean, that's what I like about it. to Adventures we haven't seen, mm-hmm. you know, I, and in fact, uh, you know, the fact that the fortress is so full of stuff, you know, indicates that, you know, he's been around for a while. And there's this, you know, all this conversation between uh, Superboy and Batman where it indicates that, you know, Batman knows so much about the fortress, you know, and I just love that because, you know, it's that sense of history that that we've been absent in the new 52, particularly as it relates to Superman. So. It's one of those things that I really dig. I always enjoy Fortress of Solitude stories. You know, yeah. getting to, getting to see you know the heroes romping through Superman's clubhouse. Uh, I love that. You know, and I don't know if I've never seen it before, but this is the first time I've read an actual. Someone has taken over the Fortress of Solitude, and they need to take it back. I right. I don't know if I've ever. Seen, I mean, I know Mongol was in the Fortress of Solitude at one point. And I know characters have been in it, but this is the first time I've ever seen Superman locked out and he needs to break in. And I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. The closest I can come to are some of the early Eradicator stories, you know, in the, uh, in the era after crisis when it was first created. But even that doesn't compare to this where it's where he already had it and built it up. And now it's been taken from him. I can't think of a single instance that's ever happened before either, Paul. And it's a fun story. Yeah, I mean, it is. You know, Superboy and, you know, cause Superboy is wearing Superman's armor and Batman teamed up. I mean, that's, I love the, the interaction they have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really, and there's, and they go into the fortress and it's all Superman's crazy shit. That they see. Yeah. You know, there, there's a, a basically a ray that shoots you into another dimension and all this other stuff. And I just love all that stuff. Uh, I love the way they're taking the story and I've really enjoyed it more than I thought I would. You know, and it's funny, as much as I was enjoying the story, I still found myself asking on, on every panel the character appears in, what the fuck is Cyborg doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, they, they continue to try and force him down our throats, and I'm just like, really? You brought Cyborg? <laughs> I, I, I got a question for you guys. Um, do, do you take a look at the, the ad for the, uh, the Superboy annual? Yeah. In fact, there's an ad for a Superboy annual and um, a Batman and Robin annual, and they both look interesting. Is that Ravager? Yeah, I think so. Is, is she Has she been in the Superboy books? At the beginning, I know she was, but I dropped out for a while. Mm. Yeah, at the beginning, they had a couple of characters that I have enjoyed outside of, you know, outside of Superboy, like uh, Fairchild from Gen 13. Yeah. was one of the scientists on his project. Ravager was one of the people that was really, you know, involved in this project as well. Uh, Damn it. Yeah, they... (laughs) You have to go back and read some books, Tim. No, I'm at least getting annual. Yeah. Well, and they they programmed him to have a history with her when he's when he's being uh, first created. They put her into his mind, so he you know he believed that that was a childhood friend. Yeah, 
I, I read the first, I think, two or three issues. I actually have the trade, but I haven't finished reading it. But um, yeah, I think that is Ravager in the picture. These annuals seem, you know, the Batman and Robin one actually with uh, Damien wearing Batman's suit, you know, written Which, by Pete Tomasi. Yeah. I'm 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 probably going to pick up at least those two. Yeah, a couple of the annuals looked really good. Unfortunately, the Green Lantern New Guardian one wasn't any good, but hopefully some of the others are. Yeah. So, but I, I, Batman: Death of the Family and Hell on Earth. Uh, both really well done crossovers, I yeah. think. So yeah, I, I would. They're both really good events. So Aaron, sir, uh, Wayne, did you get a chance to read this yet? Nope, I haven't bought it. Okay, so I talked Aaron into buying Injustice: Gods Among Us number one. It is the prequel story to the upcoming uh, Injustice video game fighting game by the creators of Mortal Kombat. Can I rant for a second? Sure. I want to rant for sure. a second. I want to rant about video games. Why can't we get a DC game that actually has a DC storyline and a full DC world and pick characters and actually play through, say, a story? No. Every time they release a full DC world game, every time they release a DC game, for that matter, except for the Batman games, it's a fighting game. I don't well, want DC Universe Online. Game. Yeah, but that was an MMO, and that really wasn't very good. But here's the thing. If you read Injustice Gods Among Us... It seems like there is a good reason for the heroes to be fighting. Even if there's a good reason, fighting games, I get bored with quickly because you fight, you're done. I want a story. I want to play through a story. And we can't get that with a DC Universe because they keep doing fighting games. Well, I've never seen one from Marvel either. You haven't? Marvel Ultimate Alliance, uh, Uh, X-Men, X-Men Legacies, all the Spider-Man games. (laughs) I forgot so, about so, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. So essentially, Wayne's calling you stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, all of the entire I, I, series of Spider-Man games, like Edge of Time, Shattered Dimensions, all of those. Yeah, but those are Spider-Man-specific games. You know, you, we did say that the Batman games were good, and that team is working on a Justice League game. So <laughs> I, I think we'll finally get what you're looking for. But we've got Ultimate Alliance. I will give you that they don't do really many X-Men games. All the X-Men games are fighting games, too, and that frustrates me, except for X-Men Legacy, and it was really bad. Or it was whatever the newest X-Men game was that wasn't very good. Yes, sir. So can we talk about uh, Injustice now? <laughs> I, I'm done ranting. I Thank just, you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll so, go back to my Lego Batman 2, because that was the best DC game that's ever been released. Oh, there we go. Another DC good game. Just saying. <laughs> Takes up everybody's time by ranting, Wayne. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I learned it by watching YouTube. Uh, all right. So, Injustice Gods Among Us. It is um, going to be put out in print, but right now it's also a, a digital first, you know, dollar a week story, just like they're doing with Justice League Beyond and Smallville and Arrow and all those. And the first issue came out this week. Um, starts off with Batman. Five years from now, in a society ruled by uh, – should I even ruin it? I guess I have to ruin it. Cause you the, have to ruin it, Paul. Yeah, the society is ruled by Superman. Superman has become a dictator and taken over things. And um, then we flash back five years in time uh, to see how that happened. Um, and it starts off with uh, Superman finding out that Lois Lane is pregnant. And a very great – a very nice page on how he finds out that she's pregnant. Oh, yeah, he's just you know. sleeping, and he hears the second heartbeat. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, no, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a great moment. Um, I, I really enjoyed this book. Uh, I, I find it interesting that, you know, it is 
pre-New 52 in terms of, you know, Lois and Clark are, are married. You know, she's pregnant. Um, you know, so I, f- I find that part of it interesting. But, you know, it's nice to see that type of an Elseworlds type of story because that's certainly what this is. Um, really dug it, though, uh, despite the artwork because I don't think the artwork is very good on this. Yeah, I think the artwork is serviceable. I mean, yeah, you can definitely it's, tell it's a tie-in book, but the writing is where it's really at. Yeah, it's the, the writing sings on this book. And, and again, I think it's pretty predictable. I mean, you can tell when the moment that uh, they reveal that Lois Lane is pregnant and you know that five years later Superman's a dictator, you can pretty much assume that things don't end well for the expectant mother. Um, <laughs> but that said, you know, it's a journey. And there's, these, there's this great moment where Superman tells Batman that Lois is pregnant, you know, and you know, s- tells Batman, we want you to be the godfather. And there's there's this moment where you know Batman smiles, you know, yeah. it, it's, and it's a great scene. It is a great scene. I I agree with you a hundred percent. But you know, I I have to. I, I think. Oh, Paul. Yes. Oh dear, you seem to have some Jimmy on your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers on. Things don't end so well in this issue for Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> yeah, despite the, you know, you said it's it's predictable, and I agree. Yeah. The overall arc is predictable. Okay. That being said, when Jimmy Olsen gets shot in the face, shot in the face, I I I, I was not expecting that. I think that Jimmy should be shot in the face every issue. <laughs> we should find new ways to shoot Jimmy in the face, and this was great because it went right through the lens of the camera and through his head. Uh, and who pulled that trigger, Paul? Who pulled that trigger? Who put Jimmy down? The Joker. Yeah. Oh the my Joker God! Sh- Jimmy, you bastard! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, whoa, okay, yeah, we are definitely dealing with an Elseworlds tale here. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy's down. Um, and, you know, I asked Wayne this week about DC Universe Online, the comic book, you know, because I also know that's outside of continuity so they can do some and that's stretches. And Mark they, Wolfman, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, one of the things that he said he liked about it is that, you know, they could kill characters willy nilly because it wasn't affecting the main DC continuity. And I have a feeling that this is going to be much the same. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. My only real complaint about the DC Universe Online was a bit of a pacing issue. It did not need to be as many issues as it was. They could have condensed the story and made it stronger. But I don't. How many issues is this one going to be? Um, I don't know because it's, it's a it, it's a weekly dollar thing. So I don't know. But I, I I know I enjoyed the start. I thought it was a great start. And I mean every scene in the book had something memorable about it. Yeah. You know the the Clark finding out she's pregnant, Clark and Bruce talking and then the the finale. And and we're talking about a 99 cent book. So it's not a full-size comic book. Yet I just I found it very memorable. Yeah, you know, Tom Taylor who is the writer of the of the of this comic just did a really strong job of of capturing those things that I love about, you know, the Batman and, and Superman relationship prior to the new 52, as well as the Superman and Lois relationship. Um, le- I, I think the artwork is less successful. This uh, Jeremy Raypack, um, whom I've, I've never heard of before, um, certainly adequate to the story, but what was not the, the level of art that I would hope to have in such a story. Agreed. You know, I mean, it, and I think if it wasn't to tie into a video game, I think it could have been, a, it could have had better art. Yeah. 
but it was good. It was, I mean, the, the whole story really works. And, and, you know, I think that, uh, we can expect that within the next couple of issues, Joker will have made himself a Lois suit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can only hope, and, yeah. you know, it, it does seem like they're going to go dark with it. I mean, it is tied into, and in, I think an M rated video game, it is right. going to be a violent video game. Um, it's just, and it, it, it surprised me in that it seems like Superman is the villain of the video game, yeah. which is you know an interesting take. It's not something I've I've seen in a video game before. Um, and I was reading uh, if you pre-order the game at GameStop, it comes with a special Superman Red Sun um, add-on pack that includes missions that are that specifically tell the story of Superman Red Sun. Ooh, that might be worth pre-ordering. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it, it's a it's a fighting game with a story, and right now I'm, I'm interested in the story. So have you, gonna, have you pre-ordered it? Uh, I just found that out this week. It, it was huh. the same day that they put out the comic is when they made the announcement. I'm gonna have to take a look at that because I kind of like me some Red Sun. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and I know it's not easy to tell a, a, a story with a fighting game, but that being said, it does but, look like a pretty awesome game. You know, it would be awesome though. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, Red Dead Redemption, if you could have a Kent's add-on pack to that. Ooh, Remember the Kent's? Sweet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Wild West story of the Kent family? Yeah, I yep. think that would be awesome. I'd play that game. I want a Jonah Hex add-on to it. That would be there good, you go. too. I'd play that. So, uh, 99 cents. I mean, we've only read the first issue, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. I do recommend picking up Injustice Gods Among Us. Yeah, no, I, I, I do recommend it. It was a lot of fun to read. And again... You know, I think that we can see a lot of mucking around in Jimmy's guts next issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I read an interview with the writer, and he said this is just the beginning. So, yeah. it, looking forward to it. So, Paul, yes, sir. Tell me what's coming out next week. All right. Well, we talked about the Superboy annual coming out next week. Uh, so that comes out next week. Um, also, Nightwing and Red Hood and the Outlaws tie ins to uh, Death of the Family. Uh, we're also going to get Hell on Earth uh, continued with Supergirl number 16. Uh, Before Watchmen, Minutemen number 6 comes out. Um, Justice League number 16 continuing Throne of Atlantis and Green Lantern 16 continuing the uh, Rise of the Third Army. Uh, from IDW, we have Star Trek Countdown to Darkness. Yeah. Yeah, I that enjoyed the good. first Countdown series. Yeah, so I did too. So I'm picking this one up. Same here. Um from Marvel, Avengers number three, Deadpool number four, FF number three, Uncanny Avengers number three, Uncanny X Force number one, and Young Avengers number one. This is going to be an expensive week. And from Dynamite, we're going to get Masks number three and Prophecy number six. I'm going to have to steal like half of my comics next week. <laughs> <laughs> so big week next week. Lots of stuff going on. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm actually going to pick up Uncanny X Force number one. Give that one a shot. Um, Young Avengers number one. Tim, you on that one with me? No, I can't do it. <gasps> I am. Uh, what? I can't. I can't do it. Because do it. of Young Loki. Because of Young Loki. Oh. But it's still Kieran Gillen. Yeah, but it it's crap Loki and it's crap Wiccan. Loki. <laughs> True, Wiccan is in it. Now I'm looking forward to it. Hey, you know, along the lines of Wiccan, mm-hmm. you guys harshed on uh, uh, Avengers: The Children's Crusade pretty hard. Yeah, I finished that this week. I liked that a lot. That story sucked, Aaron. I liked it a lot. Uh, The first issue was, okay, we're going to get caught by the Avengers. Now we're going to escape. Now we're going to get caught by the Avengers. Now we're going to escape. Now we're going to escape again. I mean, it was just like, hmm, I don't know. I didn't care for it. The art, stupendous. 
but I did not care for the story. I liked it mm. a lot. <laughs> Doctor Doom banging Scarlet Witch. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, she's crazy, and crazy sex is always the best sex. Apparently. So, I mean, you know, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, you got to where you're going to get, you know, you know, killed in, in your sleep, but you know, the sex itself is just, you know, off the charts. <laughs> Well, and especially uh-huh. since she can alter reality. <laughs> uh, All right. All right, guys. You guys have a good week. I plan on it. Do it. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 